Sometimes I'm working on a film and someone will ask me if I'm having fun and I'm tempted to tell them the truth. No, absolutely not. Having no fun here at all. You know what's going to be fun? When it's done and I've done a good fucking job and I know people are getting something out of that. I'll have a lot of fun then. A ton of it. Welcome to the first episode of our 2024 Oscar bonus run. I'm Austin Johnson. I'm Connor Zagari. Oh, man. We're doing a Philip Seymour Hoffman episode. You know, the Oscars, the 96th Academy Award nominations just came out recently. Uh, you know, we're super excited for that. That's March 10th. So for the next six weeks or so, every Friday here at Film Guys and Productions, we're going to release an Oscar-related episode for fun. You know, why not? What better way than to start with the actor that I feel like really brought us together as friends, you know, Philip Seymour Hoffman, when we first met at draft house, you know, fucking what, seven years ago now, uh, <laughs> we quickly found out, you know, Oh, we both love the Coens. We love Tarantino. We love some of these directors that we have in common, but one of the first individual actors was PSH, man. You know, we kind of locked eyes like, Oh, you get it. I get it. Yeah. He's the man. So it's going to be really cool to just dive deep into his career uh, with you today, man. Oh, dude, we've been we've been developing this for so long. I I almost can't believe we're actually doing it. And yeah, this guy taught me that acting was not just saying words in front of a camera. It was disappearing into performance, into belief. And mm. he never really, you know, changed his body shape. He never like really did makeup or changed his hair or anything. Occasionally he did, but often it was just him. And it was just the way he held himself, the way he changed his voice ever so slightly, the way he held his eyes. And you were very aware this was a different character. And I've never seen any other actor do it like that, do it as well as he could. He had a natural ability to just exude realism. And I don't know how. And he would, yeah. He, in my opinion, when when we're talking character actors, he is the goat. Yeah, I, I'm with you, man. He's he's my personal favorite actor to ever live. Uh, definitely, as far as character actors go in movie making, he is he's the guy. He sets the template, sets the standard. And you know, what you mentioned, we've been talking about doing something like this for a very long time. W- way back when we really started clicking and started podcasting together. We did do a Philip Seymour Hoffman episode. Yeah. Now, <clears throat> shame on us. Uh, we've learned a, we've learned a lot. We didn't have nearly the amount of knowledge that we have now of the guy's work. No. Uh, there's about. Uh, it depends how you look at it. Depends on what you count as a movie. But my list, what I wrote down, there's 54 acting credits here, and uh, you know, at that time we had seen very few of those really in the in the long run, right? And now I think you said you've seen close to 40? 39 on the dot. And I've seen 45 now because the past, you know, past month or so we've both just been fucking going to town, man. <laughs> just watching PSH movies, whether they're ones where he's in them for five minutes or he's the main guy. You know, we've been just honing in and focusing on him. Uh what's really, really unique about this and what kind of 
makes me stop and kind of look at stuff for a second is we've been wanting to do this PSH episode, honoring him, honoring his career, but we also wanted to do this Oscar run. And I was like, Hey man, you know, we used to do Oscar Sunday, right? Of course we did that for a long time. We did it over two years and it was a lot of fun. We learned a lot, a lot about movie making and we watched a lot of great movies, some bad movies and fell in love with a lot of actors. You know, we both kind of gained a whole new appreciation for James Stewart and Burt Lancaster and, you know, uh, Ingrid Bergman, you know, some of these legends of the past that we really got to dive into their careers and whatnot. So that was really special. Uh, but, but we always wanted to, to do something around PSH. We just didn't know how to do it. And what's really cool is we finally are like, all right, Oscar Sunday's over. There's a new, this is a new phase of film guys where we're really honing in on a, a, a genre film every Wednesday. And we are like, why not? Let's, let's do something around the Oscars. Here come the 96th Academy Awards. You know, the, the train is moving. Fucking Oppenheimer's on its way to who knows how many awards. And we're like, let's do, let's do kind of like a, a buildup of different Oscar things that we like. Of course, PSH won for his role in, uh, as Truman Capote in Capote from 2005. And he was nominated again three more times. So he's a four-time nominee, one-time winner. That's the reason we can kind of do this under an Oscar scope. But really, it's for us to talk about PSH. And when we started making the schedule... I was like, okay, I know it's the 10 year anniversary of his death in 2024. Okay. Let's, let's do like some of, some of them let's do in February. Uh, and then let's like go into that, that like last Friday, right before March 10th, right before the actual, actual Oscars, lo and behold, the date we chose was February 2nd, 2024, which is the exact date today, 10 years since he passed away. And I just still just get chills. Like how did, like what? <laughs> like, was was he watching over me and you <laughs> like what was going on here was he like hey i see what you guys are doing thank you <laughs> i'm gonna like make this date somehow the point that we landed on fucking weird dude i am such a hardcore atheist who really doesn't believe in an afterlife but if there is a slim chance that the spirit of philip seymour hoffman kind of guided us to do this in his honor i you know maybe there is a god that's something, that's something up, I man. can get behind. I think there might be a god in his name is Lancaster Dodd. <laughs> uh, <laughs> his name is Sandy Lyle. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. Well, I'm fucking crazy. You know, he was 46 years old. He'd be 56 now cl- or close to 56 because his birthday is actually in uh, July. And my God, you know, I, I wonder... I wonder, I always love like looking at, 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 a, at an actor's career, kind of the, you know, the, the arc of it and whatnot. And a lot of guys will do really unique, you know, career defining stuff in their late twenties, thirties. And then there's kind of this, who am I? And then kind of their late forties, fifties, they're like, Oh, actually, you know, I'm, I, I still, ha- I still got it. You know um, I think we've seen that with Leo, Leonardo DiCaprio big time. I think there was kind of a strange two thousands, like, okay, you're one of the biggest stars ever, but like some of the choices you're making are very interesting. But, and I think now he's like, I'm the man, you know, like I think with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Kills the Flower Moon, I'm the man. He's almost 50 years old. I feel like we were about to see a phase of PSH's career that was going to be maybe his best, uh, age 46 to maybe like right around now, 55, 56, where some, sometimes these actors, that's when they peak. And I, I just like, fuck, man, you know, like, I feel like there was a lot of juice left, you know, for, for him to give as far as his talent goes and as far as what he was willing to give give to people. And 
just think about it all the time. What other directors would have you worked with? He worked with so many different people and so many amazing, you know, like icons. Obviously, his 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 amazing partnership with PTA, but he and the Coens. But he also would like, oh, I'm gonna go do this thing with Spike Lee. You know, like I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go work with this guy. I'm or he'd work with another actor. Uh, you know what? I think it'd be cool if I'm this cop and uh, nobody's fool and I get to just watch Paul Newman do his thing. And like, when you're 27 years old, PSH in 1994. That probably changed his life, being able to watch Paul Newman, you know, go to work every day, you know, and do his thing. And Paul Newman's amazing in that movie. So he got to watch these guys who were icons during the 90s. And then he kind of took the torch in the 2000s and became a fucking monster of his own. Yeah. Just listening to other performers of his you know, generation speak about him with like just reverence and respect and just so they loved him. They loved watching him work, you know, guys like Sam Rockwell and just never, they never let us forget his work and who he was and watching him talk about the craft. The guy was so humble. He was so mm. nervous about like his, I watched his Oscar acceptance speech earlier today Dude. Just because, and he was, he was so nervous. He did not expect to win. He was, he was up there just, you know, thanking his mom for existing and stuff like that. Like the guy was a gem who just tapped into a, a vein of talent that very few people in the industry have ever had. Yeah. Is, is it, I've watched, I've watched like all those Oscars. Cause I like watching his reaction. I think it's doubt when he was nominated for doubt. I think that's the one where he's like wearing a beanie. <laughs> he's like sitting in the crowd. Like I'm not going to win. He's wearing, he's just wearing like a beanie and like a fucking, you know, suit. Like, Dude, this guy, he looks like his character in um, Jack Goes Boating, I think, is, is the one where he wears a beanie the whole time. <laughs> this guy, dude, you know, he's just his own his own beast, you know. And and the quote that I open up with is one of my favorites, you know. Uh, the seriousness that he took, that he took, he took his craft, how hard on himself he was. But then it was like on the outside, like you said, it was kind of this soft, like, I'm just, you know, I'm just doing my job type thing, like. I just want it to be that. I don't want like a lot of people to know everything about me. I don't want to be in the spotlight all the time. Like I love acting. I love do. I love working. And he, in between all these 54 movies, look at his stage work. It's fucking insane. How often he was doing stuff on the stage, proper, respectable acting. Really cool. Yeah. He reminds me of like, almost like, like a softer George C. Scott. Who just mm, valued like that. He valued the craft. It was work. It was a job. The accolades were, I won't say meaningless, but very much secondary. It was all about, you know, did I do a good job for me today? And that is something mm. we can all take into our work ethic because that's that's a fucking great way to live your day-to-day life. Yeah. Yeah, straight up, dude. Straight up. I, I love the guy. I cannot wait to dive into these these movies. Um, the, what, what we're going to do today to properly honor him and honor his career is build a Philip Seymour Hoffman Hall of Fame. And what we're going to do here is because we've both seen a ton of these, you know, Connor said uh, 39, I've seen 45. So we have a lot to play with here. Uh, we're going to go chronologically from uh, his his technical debut, uh, triple bogey on a par five hole, 1992. And we're going to go all the way to the Hunger Games Mockingjay part two from 2015, which of course came out after he had passed away. We're going to go through all those movies. If we haven't seen it, of course, we'll kind of go, you know, skip over it. Hopefully we can see it in the future. Some of these are very hard to find. Some of these old ones. Uh, if we have seen it, we'll discuss it for a minute. And we're going to say if we think it's a green, yellow, red. Green meaning this is a shoe-in Hall of Fame PSH role. 
or yellow, hey, let's think about it. Maybe we'll come back around. And red is like, nah, man, let's 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 move on. So I'm super stoked to go chronologically through this guy's career because to be honest with you, man, I haven't I haven't been dedicated to an episode or to a actor like this ever in my life <laughs> the past month. <laughs> Me too. This, you know, when we st- when we decided to reboot the show and really refocus on research and like weekly you know, being making every Wednesday a, a very, you know, the best episode we can make. I'm glad we also decided to add in these, you know, occasional bonus content on Friday so we could still experiment. And the experimentation has become my favorite part of doing all this. You know, these weren't all amazing movies, but he was always amazing. He was always reliable. Mm-hmm. He's the fucking salt of actors. You throw him in there, he's going to make it better. And you know, I'm I wish I'd gotten a full, you know, a, a clean sweep, but that's just not fucking possible. So uh, I don't think I've ever even been released on DVD. Dude, uh, yeah, we, we tried. <laughs> we did. We really tried. You tried a, a, just a smidge harder than I did, but uh, I had a yeah. lot of other shit to do. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. I've, I've taken time off from Filmgasm to, to get prepared for this because I knew I was hosting this. And I'm kicking off this run of, like you said, Friday bonus episodes of all Oscar-related stuff. And and at the end of this episode, we'll talk more about what we're doing next week. We'll kind of do it that way with these Friday episodes. Uh, keep keep the listeners in the loop of what we're doing. But everything is, you know, in quotes, Oscar-related. But it's more about just stuff that we love. You know, it's that's really why why we're here. And and PSH is uh, is one of those guys that we clearly love. So, uh, without further ado, let's fucking get this train rolling, man. Um, like I said. Triple bogey on a par five hole is technically his first movie. Uh, starting alongside Robbie Coltrane. Um, hmm. I wanted to watch this so bad, but it's it, you can like cannot find it anywhere. It's a very difficult one to find. Um, it's it, you know it's it's PSH. He would have been twenty five years old at this time, and you know just couldn't get to it. In this day and age, it cheeses me so much that there are films we can't access. Like, you'd think that anything ever made would be available somewhere, even if you have to pay for it. Like, I, you know, there's directors whose work I've been able to clean sweep, watch all of their work. There is not a single actor I have ever been able to do that for because of this mm. early work that is, like, non-existent. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, you and I are definitely completist. We love to, like, clean, like you said, clean sweep things. And, uh, yeah, it fucking give us a break, you know? <laughs> you know we we get we gave it a go honestly on a ton of our oscar episodes when we did oscar sunday we did like we did we if we did a best picture showdown we were like we're gonna do whatever the fuck it takes to get to those best picture nominees uh luckily those are typically easier to to get around to uh than, than some but yeah some of these early 90s ones are random so there's another one from uh 1992 my new gun uh neither of us got to uh that one as well so I'll go ahead and say the third one as well. Leap of Faith, also 1992. We didn't get to any of those three. Leap of Faith, he's alongside Steve Martin in that movie. I wanted to watch it. Yeah, me too. The, just from the title, My New Gun, with Philip Seymour Hoffman in it, like something happens in that movie and I want to see it. Yeah, My New Gun is like like for real, like made like $10,000 at the box office. It's like one of those like, like dud. <laughs> like Leap of Faith made some money and so I'm, it was, I think you could rent it like on Vudu and Prime, but it was not available like on Tubi or Roku channel or any of those things that we were using. We didn't pay for any of this. We used all free stuff or, or our own collections or 
you know, streaming services that we that we that we were both subscribed to. So, uh, Leap of Faith, I think, is. I th- I'm pretty sure Prime and you know two ninety nine or whatever. So if you want to go for it, and one day I will, you know, one day I will. Yeah, but you know, at the end of the day, I- I'd love to just throw money and rent all this shit just because I want to watch it. But you know, at the end of the day, this is this is a hobby, and we yeah, we can't yeah. afford that. So yeah, my thing was I almost rented a movie, and I was if I do that, then I need to rent all of them, and I'm not doing that because then if I rent nine movies. Here we are spending 40 bucks on yep. <laughs> on movies that I might not like. Oh boy. I can't, so, I yeah. can't open that door because it will not close. Yeah. Right. So the triple uh triple threat from 1992, triple bogey, my new gun, leap of faith. Scratch those. Now, really, the coming out party, scent of a woman, also mm-hmm. 1992. PSH is absolutely dynamite in this movie. He is so good as George Willis Jr. This slimy, slimy bastard. Uh, not in it a lot, but man, if you if you don't really know much about him, if you've only seen a few of his movies and you go back and watch Sent of a Woman, you're like, whoo, like there's a star. Yeah, he was at his best when he was playing just real shit heels. And this kid, this, you know, silver spoon, daddy's money, prep school bitch is really the bad guy of the movie. Uh, yeah. And yeah, watching Tattle, fucking Tattletale. Yeah. Oh, fucking Tattletale. And yeah, just watching, you know, Al Pacino tear this kid and the te- you know, the teacher lawyer, a new one with some very good points about honesty and integrity is one of my favorite moments of his career. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, people have, you know, pe- people come down on Scent of a Woman saying that Pacino stole the Oscar from Denzel and there's an argument for that. But watch Scent of a Woman again. Pacino really good. is fucking killing yeah. it in that movie. It's a really good movie. It is, it is good. Uh, the my one thing about like I feel like I would rewatch Central Woman a lot if it wasn't so goddamn long. <laughs> yeah, it's like two. It's like two hours forty, and I was like, man, maybe I should rewatch this because I I haven't seen it since we did. We did something on Oscar Sunday where where we both watched Unforgiven. Central Woman. Unforgiven, Best Picture Showdown. There you go, nineteen ninety two. Yeah, we we watched that. I had seen it before, but yeah, yeah. As a PSH fan, you're like, man, there's just like you said, like he he looks too comfortable in that that uniform, that slimy, like <laughs> you know. You almost picture him like holding a big lollipop and sticking his tongue out at somebody. Like you can almost kind of see that in the way he holds. Yeah, and you see it again, like in the master. <laughs> like you see it again, like thirty years later. Uh, yeah, Cinder Woman's great. I wouldn't quite put it in the uh, upper echelon in the Hall of Fame for PSH, but it definitely is one that I I do recommend, especially if you're trying to study his career. Yeah, I have it as a yellow. It's definitely for me his kind of coming out party as an actor. Yeah. And uh, yeah. good place to start. Yeah, definitely. Uh next one, Joey Breaker. Oh boy, oh boy. I I watched this on YouTube. Not great. Not a not a great film. Uh <laughs> He is wonderful in it, as per usual. This is a Steven, Steven Starr written and directed film uh, starring Richard Edson, uh, Sadella, Sadella Marley, who's related to Bob Marley, and uh, and uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman is a supporting character in this one. Him and Richard Edson are kind of, uh, they work together. Uh, Edson's like a, a like an agent for, for actors in the movie, and PSH is kind of his, his, his dude, like his go-to guy. He's always like taking calls and... And man, he's really good. His his I think his character's name is Wiley. Let me 
make sure that's right. Yeah, Wiley McCall, and and he's great. He's great in it. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna you go to the bat for it to be in the Hall of Fame or anything. But again, if you're a big fan, this is on YouTube for free. Uh, Joey Breaker. Not again. Not a great film. So so underseen that it doesn't have a Rotten Tomato score. Joey oh. Breaker. Wow. Then that that's something, isn't it? Uh, but for whatever reason, PSH read that script and was like, sure. Uh, <laughs> At the time, I'm sure it was like, well, I got to pay the rent next month, so I'll take it. He yeah he he talks about how um, after he got sober um, it, when he was 22 in 1989. He he said he's like I stopped doing everything, you know. I stopped all the drugs and all all the alcohol, and he's got for that. I just was like, I'll do, I'll do anything. I'll like, he's, of course, I want to read it. I want to know what's going on. I want to see if I can do something with the character. But he's like, I will. I wanted to work and never do anything else but act for money. And he like he accomplished that dream, you know. He he was so committed here in the 92, 93, 94. He's doing so many movies and working on the stage so much and like trying to perfect his craft. Uh, yeah, it, it worked so good for him. Uh, my boyfriend's back and money for nothing. Also both from 1993. I didn't get to see either, either of these and neither did you. Uh, these are again, very, very hard to find, but I did find a YouTube clip from my boyfriend's back and he looks fucking deranged in this movie. He's like a bully. He, I sent you a picture of him. He's wearing like a backwards hat and he's like got a baseball bat. And he's like, hey! you know, he's like doing this weird, weird voice. Like what? I want to see this. Like, it looks like kind of like a shitty, like really low grade, like kind of like thriller or like horror movie. I don't know, dude. I, I want to see it though. Yeah, that I love that. Yeah, I, I'm going to make a conscious effort to eventually find all of these movies and clean sweep uh, this guy. Yeah, dude, same. I, I would like to own all of them and like have like a like a specific case for <laughs> For, for Phil, <laughs> I, I would I would totally do that if I had the money. Uh, money for nothing, also something that's that's pretty pretty hard to find. Uh, I I tried and I don't really know much about it, so that's one of those ones that just kind of fell by the wayside. Uh, and then he does five movies in 1994. Hmm. Uh, we have one of them I don't know how to say. S Z U L E R Zuler. I'm I went with Zuler. Yeah, I I think I think it tr- translates to something else because I don't remember. I I think I saw it something different on Letterbox, but I, I don't know. I'm not sure. It's very underseen. Uh, like has very little little stuff going for it. And again, another one that doesn't even have a Rotten Tomatoes score. It's one of those just like what the hell. Uh, The Getaway, The Yearling, which is a remake from not a great movie. Uh, When a Man Loves a Woman and Nobody's Fool. I was able to watch The Getaway, The Yearling, and Nobody's Fool, and I believe you got to Nobody's Fool. I did, yes. Okay, so I'll get out of the way. The Getaway fucking rules. That movie kicks ass. Awesome cast. PSH is like a, um, essentially a getaway driver. Um, he's not in it a ton, but it's like a heist movie that turns into kind of like a, like a chase between two characters, between Michael Madsen's character and Alec Baldwin's character. Michael Madsen's fucking like, I'm going to chase him down and kill him. And for a while there, Michael Madsen and PSH are like partners. And you're like, what a dream. <laughs> this is cool. This is, it's not, again, it's not like a, you know, great film, but it is fucking entertaining and a ridiculous cast and crazy set pieces. And I had a lot of fun with it. So like, I'll go to bat for it as a movie, not quite in the PSH Hall of Fame, but I really liked it. The Yearling. Uh, this is on Tubi, I believe. Uh, so is The Getaway. And 
Yeah, Sitch is in it a decent amount. It's it's a remake of a 40s movie uh, with... Um, uh, we watched this for Oscar Sunday way back. Uh, Gregory Peck and Jane Wyman. That's right. Peck and Wyman, who are both, you know, very respectable performers. Just kind of a boring film. Um, just kind of like one of those, like, look at this little town in, in the United States, you know, in backwoods America. Like, there are little problems, you know. It's just like, I just don't really care. But when PSH hits the screen... He looks like he hasn't taken a shower in like his whole life. And he has this one moment where there's like this big scene with a bear. And um, the the main the main family, the dad kills the bear. And when he goes and like finds PSH and PSH is, you know, he, he like lives with this backwoods, like nasty family that, that they're like, they're up to no good. He lives with them. And, you know, he's like, hey, I, you know, I, I killed the bear. And Hoffman's like, <laughs> You know, his character's name is Buck. Buck is like, no way. You know, there's no way you killed that bear. But when he find, when, he, when he shows him, Buck takes the bear, like this dead bear, <laughs> and he's like dancing with it. <laughs> like, oh, man. <laughs> it, is, it is worth the price of admission, my man. <laughs> like wa- Watching th- that, that scene, like made that whole experience, it is not a good movie. But watching that scene made it all worth it for me because I was fucking dying laughing. Uh, Again, not going to make the PSH Hall of Fame, but he's great in it. Uh, when a Man Loves a Woman, really, really, really upset I didn't get around to this one. It's one of those that I probably just should have pulled the trigger. Uh, you had to rent it, though, man. You know, it just... Fuck, it looks good. It looks up my alley. has a cool cast. I, I, I don't know. I just... I, I kind of regret not doing that one. And then the one that we both seen from 94, Nobody's Fool. Fucking good movie right here. Paul Newman was up for uh, Best Actor here. This is, I believe, his... His last nomination. Um, nope. Road to Perdition was his last nomination. Road to Perdition, 2002. Yeah, 2002. And then, uh, you know, he goes on and, and does a few more things. He does uh, Empire Falls, which also has PSH in it, and he does Cars. Uh, so, you know, l- latter part of his career has some fucking gems, I'll tell you that. And he's great in this. Paul Newman. Great. PSH is barely in it. He's a cop, I think, named Raymer. Yep. Uh, and he's fucking amazing. Like, he's hilarious. He's... He, Plays a cop a little too well, uh, but as as he did with everything, he also played like a you know cult leader a little too well. So <laughs> I, I I I didn't walk away like oh this is gonna be in the Hall of Fame, but I walked away like that was one of the best movies I watched from this whole bunch. I admittedly I had this as a as a yellow as a as a maybe because I was so impressed by his just is it's brief, but he plays this you know bumbling small town cop who you know, clearly like grew up watching like lethal weapon and shit and just wants to be this badass, but bucks up royally and pays for it. Yeah. I, I, oh, love yeah. It. I, I wonder if like his nerves also came from like, you know, a young actor working with Paul Newman. Like, Oh my God. Yeah, dude. Like, can you imagine, can you imagine being 27 years old? You're like, Oh, like, that's, <laughs> that's that guy. <laughs> that's that guy I watched growing up he was being oscar nominated the year i was born jesus you're doing a scene with fucking butch cassidy and you have the gun yeah hey hud <laughs> yeah oh my god dude yeah newman uh, you know like you want to play some pool no 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 <laughs> he's yeah newman is like he obviously was like so fucking handsome and like it, he aged really well and in nobody's fool I'll say, man, from from the top of my head, there's not a lot of not a lot of dudes who aged as gracefully as him, 
or have aged as gracefully and can play that kind of stubborn, like, I'm going to do what I want, old man. But, like, comes around like, oh, you know what? I, my heart actually is bigger than I, than I realized. And he is so good in that movie. It's not this work of art, amazing cinematography. It's really a showcase for him. And uh, and then a really unique cast around him, like Bruce Willis is fucking off his rocker in this movie. Uh, so I, I like really, really, really responded to Nobody's Fool, and I highly recommend it just as a movie. Same here. I mean, it's really funny. Yeah, you know, the, the running gag of uh, Newman and Willis stealing the fucking snowplow back and forth had me cackling. So um, good. Melanie Griffith is insanely hot in this movie. So good God, yeah. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Let's talk um, about eye candy. Good lord. Yeah. <laughs> and uh yeah, it's just, you know, it's it's a nice little sweet natured comedy that about, you know, second chances. And I I like that. Yeah. Yeah, me too, man. I I knew when I was watching it, I was like, yeah, C- Connor is going to love this. This is just this is kind of right up her alley. Just a just a good wholesome movie. Uh 1994. Uh 30 years old this year. Now, now now it gets interesting. <laughs> now 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 we're gonna see some some action here uh we've he's not in anything in the year of 1995 so we go to 1996 where he has a couple couple bangers uh we'll start with hard eight his uh, initial you know his, his first uh partnership here with, with paul thomas anderson who became like one of his closest friends and i'm not i'm not gonna say it should be in the hall of fame because he's it's literally one short scene but but if i had to pick scenes my favorite scenes of philip Seymour Hoffman, this is this is like towards the top uh it's him and philip baker hall they're playing you know they're they're playing games man you know and and psh is doing the kind of like come on old timer you know i'm going to smoke this cigarette you know i'm going uh, to like he's just absolutely insane in this uh they don't even give him a name he's just the young craps player uh in hard eight uh, one of the most unique, you know, d- directorial debuts from, from from PTA and a movie that I love, uh, but PSH not quite in it enough for me to give it, you know, go go to bat for it. But but that scene is is something else. And I've heard Philip Baker Hall talk about that. And he was like, I "Thought the kid was like, <laughs> I thought the kid was on cocaine right there." You know, like he's just losing his mind. And you know, this is a this is a a twenty nine year old now. Um, uh, you know, Philip Summer Hoffman, so he's he's getting close to, 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 to 30 and getting close to really exploding. Did it, for me, this is like the perfect example of the phrase, there are no small parts, just small actors. Mm-hmm. Because, like you yep. said, it's, it's a character named Young Craps Player. For a lot of actors, that's, you know, 200 bucks and like a day's work. But to Philip Seymour Hoffman, it's another feather in the cap in a budding resume. Because he is able to pour so much just, you know, probably experience of being on Coke into this, you know, weekend gambler who you just, you know, you you immediately feel an attraction towards because you can tell that the actor playing this character is, has his own agenda. Like he mm. did research for himself into this brief little performance. You can just tell. Yeah, dude. It, yeah. it, And it's the start of the most valuable partnership in Paul Thomas Anderson's career. Yeah, Anderson clearly knew he had something. He, yeah, yeah. Thank God, <laughs> you know. Uh, thank God. <laughs> it, it's brought me their their work together has brought me endless, endless joy. So I'm 
very grateful for that. And uh, that the movie right now is on Hulu. If you have not seen it, like, please, please, please go watch it. Um, no, n- another one from 1996. I think I think most people, and fair enough, see this as his coming out party. Twister. Um, he's in it a good amount. His character is easily the most charismatic. Uh, his performance is the one that I think saves the movie from being a, a little bit boring at times. So I, I just think he deserves a shout here. And this is the first one I would say probably needs to be in the Hall of Fame. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, Twister. Uh, I I did not Justin. like Justin. I didn't like Justin. this movie at all, but I, I did like, I liked him. <laughs> Welcome I, to the extreme. <laughs> I love this like surfer bro stoner dude who's a fucking tornado chaser and just doing it with a smile on his face. I mean, I thought the whole concept of this movie was stupid. I did not like the execution. I thought the characters were idiots and I thought it looked super dated. I wasn't I'm not a fan of Twister. <laughs> so that's unfortunate, but you know what? I will I will I will uh what's the term? Concede. You can have Let's well let's call it yellow then. Let's call it yellow. Okay. Cause he is great. This is, you know, for this is probably the movie that, you know, this was his first real, like, huge hit. So, oh, yeah. I yeah. get that most people see this as the beginning of his career. I, you know, we just, we, we consider the small parts too. Oh, for sure. Yeah. 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 It is, it is, it was a wildly successful movie. Like, like, I think, I think made like the second most at the box office mate was like number two or three that year. So it, yeah, it made a shit ton of money and a ride and people. Yeah. And people, people saw, they're like, Oh, who's that guy with the hat on? Like, I, <laughs> who are you? You know? And that happened. That's, that's been happening in movies forever. Where like someone, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh billing. One of those guys, it's like, this is a make or break moment for you. If you're in that successful, that, that a movie that successful, and he just he brought he brought it he brought the juice man you know the yeah food <laughs> it's, uh red meat we crave sustenance he's <laughs> just he's so fucking good uh the scene at like the dinner table at the um the aunt's house he's just on he's just like turned on all the way ready to go like i'm the most talented guy at the table like sorry you know and he doesn't really rub it in he doesn't really rub it in anybody's face He's so good at putting other people up. He's so good at supporting, but he's also like, I'm the man. Like I'm batting a thousand here. The rest of you are like, okay, you know, <laughs> but you don't feel like he's saying that you, he's just doing it. You know? Uh, yeah. He's, you slaughter your own cows, Meg. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's great. He's great. D- Dusty is, is a wonderful character. So let's say yellow for him right now. We have a long way to go. So I, I'll, I'll call Dusty yellow. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. I had it as a hard red, but admittedly, that is towards Twister, not towards Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I hear you. I would not put Twister in one of the better movies of this this run. Yeah, it's it's him. It's it's all about it's all about the man, Phil. And uh, I think that, I think that's interesting. You know, that's like something that's really hard to do is separate your feelings about a movie. And I certainly like with Hard Eight, I had to like hold on, like <laughs> brace yourselves. You know, like but he, yeah, it's it's like a two minute scene, so uh, you just gotta. We only have 15 slots here. So yeah, let's go yellow for Dustin uh, from Twister. Next up. <laughs> Scotty J. Boogie Nights. Green. <laughs> All the way green. Easy green. Easy green. <laughs> like, no questions. Like, yeah, I mean, just 
I've never I'm seen. Fuck, I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> I've never seen an established character actor shudder at a giant cock the way Philip Seymour Hoffman does in this movie. Uh, yeah, that that initial when he's holding the the mic, <laughs> he's just like <laughs> his lip is quivering, like he's looking into the eyes of God. It's crazy. Yeah, he's like he's like hard. Uh, but you know we had we've had a discussion about this. Boogie Nights has about twenty Hall of Fame level performances inside of it, which is why it's so fucking good. The writing's so good. These actors are like, oh, like oh my god, like you're giving me like a PTA that like coked out PTA was giving them like the best stuff to to, to like the best lines to read, and and he he absolutely knocks out of the park as as Scotty J. Uh, so that to me is like easily a green. Yeah. Hands down, it's an endlessly rewatchable movie. And his character is so unique, even to this world, where he's this, like, you know, possibly underage looking guy. Like, mm-hmm. we have no, this guy could be 14 or 38. Like, there's no, we don't know. And he's, yeah. Yeah. And he's trying to, you know, seduce a coked up Mark Wahlberg. And he just, you know, Marky Mark ain't having it. It's, uh, it's a very sad character. Uh, Ex- extremely. And he's, you know, I think it was a really cool choice to have a gay character in in, in the movie. Um, he really, at times, is us. He's at times is the audience in this movie. He's kind of the like, he's the reaction that we're all having. Like, what? Like, he, he's his shock at times of what's going on. Like how ridiculous. Like how far Eddie uh, Dirk Diggler has gone. But he just keeps kind of staying by him, and so do we. For some weird reason, we just like, oh, I can't get enough of this movie. <laughs> And then, like the 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 you know just the downfall is so fast and uh, I mean yeah Boogie Nights is just uh, yeah on its own is is one of the best movies that he was ever in maybe the best depending on who you're talking to and uh, Scotty J is is a big reason why I came to a realization recently about Boogie Nights it plays out like a porn addiction like mm. you know you mm. start, start out you know exploring this world you like it you get <clears throat> Addicted to it, you love it. This is exciting. It's fun, and then you start realizing how it's impacting the rest of your life, and it's become something you're obsessed with, and you don't like it anymore. But you're trapped here, and you have to see this through to the end. Like, and, and then the and then the guilt at the end of like, oh, yeah. what have I'm I lost? <laughs> what have I lost because of this? And it's, mm. I, th- you know, I think that was a conscious decision to make this movie, you know, appear yeah. glamorous and exciting and fun, but really be just a vicious, gross thriller that lures you in like a fucking spider. Yeah. God, it's so good. <laughs> it's, it really it, yeah, it really is definitely, you know, it's has an argument to be the best movie he was ever in. So I, you know, I, yeah, I'm, I totally idolize it. Uh, so that's a green. That's our first official green. So we have uh, Dusty from Twister, Yellow, Scotty J, Boogie Nights, Green. Next up, uh, 1998. He's in a couple movies. Did you get to watch either of these? Uh, sorry, he's in three movies i believe from i'm wrong he's in more than that five damn i wasn't i wasn't counting patch adams uh yeah five uh montana next up wonderland the big lebowski happiness (laughs) and patch adams um i watched montana and and next up i've seen all five of these did you get to see montana or next stop wonderland because i know you've seen the others I, I haven't seen Patch Adams either, actually. Oh, ah, you're not missing much, to be honest with you. That's <laughs> <laughs> what I heard. I was going to make the effort, but I talked to yeah. several people and they were like, don't bother. 
<laughs> I, yeah, I, just, I don't think it's very good. It did make a shit ton of money, so it's like one, another one of those, like, hey, you get a chance to be, you know, seen by a lot of people. But when we, uh, if we ever do this for Robin Williams, I'll watch Patch Adams. And you know what? Something tells me in August we probably are. So, um, yeah, it's, it's all his ten year anniversary of his death is also later this year, and I, in my mind, I've been like, why would why would we not honor him as well? He's another one of our favorites, mutual favorites. Fuck, you don't have to tell me twice. Now I got something to look yeah. forward to. Yeah, yeah, baby. So yeah, I, I'm like stoked to rewatch like Flubber. I haven't seen Flubber in years. <laughs> you know what I mean? I've, Just like those random ones. I've never seen Mrs. Doubtfire. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. let's do it. August. Um, Beautiful. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I didn't see Montana. I didn't see Next Stop Wonderland. I did watch Happiness, and uh, Lebowski is obviously one of our favorite movies. So. Yeah. Okay. So we'll save Lebowski and happiness um, for a second. So Patch Adams, I, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. I just, it, he's, he's fine. In it. I, I think the movie, it just fails completely to do what it, what it's trying to do. Um, I think a lot of people stand with me in that, especially now after the movies lived, lived a while, you know, I think a lot of people are just kind of, eh, I don't know. Uh, what, what exactly is the message here? Um, Montana. Hmm. I do wish you could have seen Montana because first off, it's a total like Tarantino copycat in the same way. A bunch of bands in the nineties were like, Oh, Nirvana's doing this thing. I'm going to, you know, let's, let's do it. It's very like, uh, you watch Reservoir Dogs, you watch Pulp Fiction and you were like, Hmm, (laughs) I can make, you know, kind of a convoluted, but, uh, not too confusing, but the cast is really cool. Robbie Coltrane is fucking awesome in this movie. But PSH, his character is a piece of shit, like a piece of shit, Owen Davian style piece of shit. Like, dude, you're you're fucked up. Like, you're you're a fucked up individual. You're kind of this suit wearing, like right right you know right hand man to like the 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 boss, which is played by Robbie Coltrane, and you're a piece of shit. Like, you're so mean, you're so cruel, you're so evil, you're so calculated that I was like, I can see some some of the signs of. You watch Scent of a Woman, you watch the, you watch Montana, and you're like, Owen Davian. <laughs> there he is. Uh, so that was cool. But the movie, I enjoyed it because like I can put that shit to the side and be like, look, I, I'm not going to dog it for for trying to um, latch on to like what was popular in the 90s. Whatever. I had a good time. I thought it was funny. I also thought it was like super exciting at times, and I thought a lot of the performances were good. It's not directed real well. It doesn't have like a great, you know, doesn't have great camera work, but I enjoyed it. So I I, I stand by it being a, a a worthwhile watch, a recommendation, if you will. And that is on Tubi. Next up, Wonderland. He's barely in it. I thought this movie was okay. It's fine. It's kind of cute. A uh, little little confusing towards the end, as far as you know where the plot's trying to go. But he's kind of like an ex boyfriend of the main character, and he's got a couple hilarious scenes, as you expect. But he's he's not in it a lot. Um, okay, Lebowski, Green, like. All the way green, Brant. In some ways, like is like the glue of the movie. He like brings it together. When he's on, you're like just laughing at his his laugh. You laugh at his laugh. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, just the way the way Jeff Bridges is touching stuff and like looking at the wall at that that first time he he goes to his mansion, and and Brant's reactions to the dude are just fucking classic so i i think brant is is wonderful this is huge for him working with the coen brothers 
uh, being in a really, really good movie that has stood the test of time is huge for his career. I, I think this has to be a green. Oh, I'm not going to fight you on. Yeah, I love Brant. I love this bootlicking butler to such a prick um, who I, who seems to really believe in the image that the Big Lebowski is projecting on <clears> the <throat> world. I don't think Brant's aware of how big a piece of shit, how, how big a human paraquat he is. And um, yeah, the scene where he's, you know, telling the story, it's weird to brag about somebody else's achievements. <laughs> yeah. What Brant's yes. doing. And the dude is like throwing him off because he's asking questions and touching stuff. You can tell that this is a speech Brant has done a, a lot of times. So he keeps repeating himself because yes. the dude's throwing off his rhythm. And I fucking love that touch. Uh, every time he like does the you know necessary means for a necessary means for a higher education, <laughs> I always just laugh. Yes, uh, like scenes like you know when Lebowski's like you know in seclusion and he's you know crying, and then you just cut to Brant and he's got like his face he's staring yeah. at the carpet trying not to cry. Yeah, <laughs> uh. it's fantastic. I love that character, uh, and I love how much the dude does not respect any of them. Like, yeah, they're, they're not yeah. used to dealing with a guy like this. They don't know how to handle it. <laughs> God, what a movie, man. <laughs> what, what a movie. Simply, simply the best from 1998. The best that that year has to offer. Uh, it's in my yeah, top he's... 10. It's one of my all time favorites. I think Walter Subject might be my favorite movie character of all time. It's yeah. And, and then also in that movie happens to be Brant and the dude. You know, it's like there's so I mean. Donnie, like, there's so many characters that I'm just like head over heels for. Uh, God, it's it's the best, man. I I often I often wonder if I really like really seriously made a you know a list of my you know whatever 50 favorite movies, like where this is. It might also be 10 to 20. I don't know. I, I just I think about it a lot more than most movies. I know that, and I rewatch it a lot more than most movies. Uh, quote it, think you know, talk about it, you know, with people like you. On on Letterboxd for your profile, you can select like your four favorite movies. I Lebowski's one of my four. Yeah, I change my four every month depending on what I, what I watch. It's my four my four favorites of the my the my four favorite watches from the month before, so I can always change it. Oh, that's a good idea. I just have my four like four of my all time favorites there as like you want to know me immediately. These four. Movies. <laughs> yeah, I did that for a long time. Then I was like, I want to change them. <laughs> you know? And how can I come up with the system? Like like it. Here in February, I'm about to change them to four PSH movies. So it's like a theme, you know. In October, uh, in November, after October, I did four horror movies that I loved from, uh, you know, like The Thing and Shining, you know, whatever. That's beautiful. Just, that's just some some bullshit I like to do for fun that I, you know, just wait, just killing time, you know. <laughs> uh, uh, all right, look, yeah, Lebowski's in. We both knew that going in. Now, finally, this really to me is one of the things I was looking forward to most about this episode talking to you in person uh, about this film called happiness where Philip Smurhoffman plays a man named Alan. I don't even know if you can call him a man. He is a slimy bastard. Uh, again, he's so good at doing that. So like frighteningly good at playing characters like that. Um, boy, where to, where to begin? This is on YouTube. If anybody wants to check it out, we're going to try not to spoil it too much of it because I really do think, if you have the stomach for weird, nasty movies, like I, I highly recommend it. I think it is a feat. Like it is remarkable what this movie w- was able to to uh, get on screen here. Um, I'll never look at Dylan Baker the same. I know that. Uh, 
And PSH just kind of added to his resume of like, wow, you're incredible. You do everything with ease, with with a timing that is impeccable. So happiness, take it away. Ooh, boy. Um, I had heard about this movie for a while. I saw it on a list of like 50 most disturbing films that will never leave your mind. And this was one of them. Mm, and, yeah. Uh, I haven't yeah. seen most of those films because I don't actively seek out mind fucks. But uh, <laughs> one of them I know we're doing on a separate project uh, eventually, and I'm, I'm not looking forward to that nightmare. But um, Happiness, yeah, is a film about human depravity and just how fucked up we are as a species. And it's it's almost like it's like a it's an X-rated Magnolia. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, and it fucked people up. Like people walked out at the premiere. It did not get a wide release. I don't think it's ever really gotten a formal like Blu-ray release. This people try to bury this fucker because it's so upsetting. And I just, it's a one and I'm never watching this movie again. I'm glad I've seen it, but I'm never watching this again. <laughs> and I I might, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to see that again. Like there's stuff I, <laughs> I don't want to put back in my head. Oh, uh, you don't, you know, the reason I say I might is because I, I was looking on Letterboxd because I was like, what do people think about this movie? This is one of the movies I immediately, immediately went to Letterboxd after it finished. Like, it's got a 4.0 on that motherfucker. Like, people love this movie. And I, I was looking, I was like, okay, people think this shit is just funny. Like, most most people who love it are just like, this shit's hilarious. Like, co- one of the best comedies of the 90s. And I'm like, huh. Was Did I go into it with the wrong mindset? Did I... I'm not I'm not quite sure which makes it that much more interesting to me you know I give it four I gave it four stars I thought like I was so like rocked by it and I did I mean the ending made me fucking cackle like I was was dying laughing when the kid you know you know what I'm talking about (laughs) fucking crazy I I when the when the dog did yeah I actively was like oh and then when it kissed mom I was like oh no no yes And and I watched it, you know, I watched it alone. I'm sure you did as well. And you're just kind of looking around like somebody, somebody like tap my shoulder. So I know like I'm, I'm, I'm awake. <laughs> this yeah. is fucked. I, I put it in my, in my review. I mentioned, um, I said something about uh, like this movie's so upsetting. You have to laugh at it. Like you, mm. it's the only reasonable reaction you can have to watching some of this shit. Cause you're like, you got to keep one foot in reality or you're going to mm. lose your mind. Like you have to, be, you have to be like, this yeah. is so insane. Like, like you got to like turn to like a ghost and be like, are you seeing this shit right now? And yeah. just get on board with that. Cause otherwise, like if you try to watch this as a serious adventure, you, you're not going to look at people the same way again. Yeah, you might you might come out like yeah, just di- completely different. Yeah, so I I, I do I do uh, to like big time movie people like watch this. It is a yeah. once in a once in a you know lifetime type experience. I've never seen anything like it. But if you're like not like down for just like gross, nasty, like depraved, uh, it's like steer yeah. steer clear. This ain't a first date movie. This is a new no, no. date movie with a woman you really trust. Or, or it's like, you know what? Do what we did. Watch it alone. Yeah. Or yeah. <laughs> um, but Hoffman in this is such a pathetic, sad sack of a broken man who just has 
no drive. It has an obsession with a neighbor. And I, I he just he's just so he doesn't look any different than other other roles he's done, but there's something about the way he holds himself that it's just so vile. Yeah. It's it's weird. Like this is like, like, I could see this guy jerking off in an alley in broad daylight. <laughs> and like and then like eating Donald's after. Yeah, like burger in one hand, dick in the other. Like I can see that. <laughs> Dude, that is like perfect. Uh I don't think we're selling this movie very well. I think we're honestly I think we're like we're selling this quite well. I think the people who are going to watch this are taking this as quite the endorsement. <laughs> I guess I guess the, the ultimate question is is this a green, yellow or red? I have it as a yellow cuz I just I think he's good but I think there's other stuff that definitely deserves a spot first. Uh I I'm with you. I'm in the exact same boat. I see this uh, more as Dylan Baker's movie than I do as Hoffman. I, I mean, holy hell. Yeah, you're not going to get... And, and and my favorite scene is the beginning with John Lovitz. Uh, that's my favorite scene of the whole, whole thing. Like, that's like... At, at the beginning, I was like, oh, this is going to be good. You know, like, uh, this guy's tearing this motherfucker apart. Like, I, I, thought, I was like, this is going to be a great kind of like tough relationship movie. And then it just turns into this just nasty, nasty shit show. But I love, I love the, the that John Lovitz scene. Like, I've... I've had a relationship in the past and I wish I'd done that. I wish I'd told her how I really thought about the way she treated me, but I didn't. I didn't have the balls. So in that moment, I was like, John, preach. <laughs> I was just like, cheering, I'm like, yes. <laughs> yeah, punch in the air. Come on, baby. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah happiness. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's the movie we spent the most time on because, yeah, it really is. We both saw it for the first time and we were like, oh. I can- I can I could honestly do a, a full Wednesday show on happiness. I I could I might in the future. I need some time. I need some some distance before I go back into that. But I could if if, yeah. if wanted it. If somebody on the team wanted to tackle it, I I will do it again. I I I would rewatch it definitely for an episode. Uh, yeah, it's 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 a, one of the rare NC seventeen movies that we would would tackle. So uh, yeah. yeah, woof on YouTube again if you want to check it out after that crazy endorsement uh, <laughs> um so that's that's 98 so all we have for sure from 98 is uh is lebowski is a uh, brant from lebowski and and uh alan from happiness is yellow uh 1999 triple threat here we've both seen all of these flawless magnolia the talented mr ripley uh let's just jump right in are any of these three greens for you um all three are yes Ooh. Okay, I mean, you know, you're not you're not going to get an argument here for me about Phil Parma uh, in Magnolia. I think he's think he's wonderful. Uh, many times he's talked about Magnolia being the best movie he was ever in, and he loved he loved rewatching it. Another another uh, chapter in the the book of PTA and PSH. Uh, Tell to Mister Ripley, Freddie Miles. Don't you just want to fuck everything? <laughs> uh how's the peeping tom yeah he's he's great in that movie and then flawless he plays rusty a uh transgender dr- uh, drag queen um really really good performance in that movie i was really blown away i thought the movie like totally failed their cast uh i thought the screenplay was just not like not good in some some scenarios and where the plot decides to go with certain stuff i'm like why why is this like a, a gangster movie like but i don't know i i was just like what what is this and like de niro is I think pretty good in it, but other times I'm like, ah. 
PSH is just fucking dominating you, like straight up, like going toe to toe with you and like crushing you. Uh, so I, I do love the character of Rusty, love Freddy, love Phil, uh, but you got them all green. So I love that. That's really cool. 1999 would be the best year of his career for you. Dude, it's this. So if, if he was, you know, recognized with like Twister and Lebowski and Boogie Nights, he was here to fucking stay in 99. Mm. And Flawless especially blew me away with his performance. I agree. I have the same thoughts on the film as you do. Like what if this was just a movie about a transgender drag queen befriending a homophobic cop, I think this would be a great movie. But for some reason, like it's they, they want to make like fucking heat. I don't, I don't know why that happened. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think this is on Tubi and I, I was just like kind of watching it and I was like, huh, but what, I, what, what, what are we doing here? Like this, there's a movie here. There's a yeah. movie and like ha- half of it is good. The mm-hmm. other half is like, uh, I don't need this. I don't... To me, like what cemented it, there's a line that uh, Rusty says to uh, De Niro that I wrote in my review. I've been doing quotes before on my, all my reviews lately. I, I'm, I'm enjoying doing that. I, I love that actually. Whenever I, I like that t- touch a lot. He says, darling, I am more man than you will ever be and more woman than you will ever get. Yes. Fuck yeah, Phil, preach. And yeah, I just love this character. And it's so different from anything he'd done, you know, up to that point. It took me a minute to realize it was him, actually. Uh, 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 when, when I did, I think I texted you. I was like, oh, my God. Like, I sent you a screen, like a picture. And you were like, oh, man, like, how have we not heard of this? <laughs> what yeah. in the hell? Yeah. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's got it's gotten properly, I think, like rated like. It has a 50% on Rotten Tomatoes and like letterbox people are just like, "Mm." it's like not his fault, PSH's fault, but at times like a little offensive to that community. And then again, half of the plot is like, just why are we here? Why are we, why why are we doing this? So, but him, I'm, I'm with you, man. I I give this a green as well. I think for its time, you know, this is a transgender 1999 by the yeah. guy who had just been like almost blacklisted for Batman and Robin. So I think given all of that, it's better than it really should have been in terms I of agree. respect. I agree. Uh, but yeah, he is fantastic. Um, Ripley took me mm. a few tries to, to really appreciate. And now I fucking adore it. Uh, yeah. It's, it's great. But I love the, this kid, like, you know, his, his immediate introduction, he's like, bonjour. No, just this like, flashy douche who just is, you know, yeah, openly ogling every woman in his immediate um, eye path and is the only one to immediately realize that this Tom Ripley guy is fucking weird. Like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. He's so vital to the story and his stuff with Matt Damon. Mm, like, mm, like gold, golden. I fucking love the line. How's the peeping Tom? Like, that's just yeah. so fucking funny. Yeah, how's the peeping Tom? Yeah, I mean, Adam and I say that to each other all the time, like just fucking around. Like, <laughs> how do you know? How's the peeping Tom? It's his delivery. It's his delivery. Just that sly, like Tom. How's the peeping? Yeah, <laughs> like my, like hey, like smirking. Like, yeah, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, Fr- Freddie. Freddie's great. Freddie's awesome. And and Mr. Ripley, I, I do think is a, a, in the upper echelon of things that he was in. It was really successful, Oscar nominated type movie, but also has stood the test of time. It's just really, really exciting. And you know you have a, a, a the the four like 
key players are fucking amazing. Like Jude Law, Matt Damon, Gwyneth, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, and, and Philip Summer Hoffman. Like, it doesn't get much better than than that as far as 1999. Like, come on. Yeah. Yeah, that movie's a a really good sociopath movie, you know? Mm, it's a really yes. good, like, you know, if you want to see a character who has no identity and is just, like, a living parasite who absorbs other people's, like, you know, lives, it's a great... I'm surprised Damon isn't more, like, remembered for that one. I, I agree. I think it's one of the underrated gems uh, of his career and definitely something that I would... If we were doing a Hall of Fame for him, I would also have it for him. Yeah. Uh, Magnolia. Easy peasy. <laughs> Dude, I, like... Your like your love affair with this movie has like rubbed off on me, <laughs> and I I have so much love for this film now. It's such a beautiful story of love, loss, and life. And Phil Parma is this like guardian angel, innocent in the middle of this fucked up relationship between father and son, and just plays the messenger because he feels like he has to. Yeah, without him, we don't get one of the best scenes of like movie history so without his character yeah the phone call of just like look i know it's not my place but i really feel like you should be here yeah please don't put me on hold please don't put me on hold. <laughs> like, like, I, I, i've been waiting <laughs> i like when he's ordering stuff and he's like a uh, hustler <laughs> this the, the subtlety of, of phil parma it it it's underrated super underrated in his career and I'll obviously go to bat for it because it's inside a movie that's near and dear to my heart. A movie that we're seeing in nine days. Oh, I I can't wait for that. I got, I have, I have a bonus for you that you'll, you'll find out on the day. God damn it. Um, (laughs) I stumbled onto this was like, I'm not going to just leave this here, but, uh, (laughs) so the thing I think that really, I love the most about the character of Phil Parma people, you know, with the Oscars, with, you know, notable actors, they always seem to think that like performance is this flashy, screaming, you know, dominating the scene thing. And you're not the best in the room unless you're the loudest. But mm. Hoffman played people. He played people that you could walk up to on the street and like to have a conversation with. He played people you believed existed. And that is a whole nother skill that is not talked about enough when it comes to performance. Playing mm. somebody who, you know, exists, feels like that's yes different. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. You know, you're getting zero, zero debate, uh, debate on, on Magnolia. That's the easiest, easiest green all day. Uh, all right. So the triple threat from, from 1999 looks like it, it's in Bill from Magnolia, Rusty from flawless and Freddie from talented Mr. Ripley. 2000, two movies, state and Maine. And almost famous, Joseph Turner and Lester Banks. What do you got? State in Maine was such an interesting watch. Yeah, everyone's such a raging douchebag. Just this, they're like a flock of fucking locusts, just absorbing the town. It's a great movie about movies. Oh, yeah, an an honest movie about movies. When he's when he has to retitle the movie because there is no old mill, and it's like, but it's called the old mill. Like that is so Hollywood (laughs) that this is a movie that I, as I was watching it, I was like, I could see this becoming a favorite of mine on a rewatch. I could feel the the nuance of it. 
the the talkiness of it and the screenplay. I was like, if I watch this again, I might fall in love. But right now, I like it. Dude, when like it's hard not to spoil these, but like towards the end when uh Hoffman's gonna, you know, testify and William H. Macy is like trying to drag him out of the courtroom and is like, you know, we'll sue. And he's like, what cause? And he says, We yeah. don't need a cause, we just need a lawyer. Like yes. Jesus, that was such a fucking slime ball producer move. And it it just was it was too real in the way it portrayed the like you know Hollywood and how it worked Alec Baldwin's whole thing with you know little girls and all that shit it was just like this is too real yeah and I love Hoffman being the innocent writer who's just realizing this about this industry he he wanted to be a part of yeah. I wonder how much of that came from a real place because oh for he sure was, he was for not sure. an industry player. You know, he, no. he, did, he did the occasional big budget, you know, Hunger Games and all that shit. But, you know, we all need the money. But that was and that was late. That, that was, was late. Very, very late. Yeah. He didn't need, you know, he didn't need to do that shit. He they wanted him. He, he uh, they, very much they, wanted they, As far as I'm concerned, that franchise needed him uh, for some fucking some respect. <laughs> true. Yeah. Uh, uh, as far, as, that's just that's just me. I, I think he's great in those movies. But I, I mean, I yeah, I think that movie lacked lacked some respectable acting and here he comes oh we'll get yeah we'll definitely we'll get to the hunger games i i have so much many problems with all that shit um but yeah um uh, i love him as as the you know the the soul like the the spark of of life that's still left in this world that's kind of who he's playing in stayed and made and his relate like his relationship with uh uh the the girl the um yeah she's great uh God damn it. Here yeah. we are. State Maine. Uh yeah. Also, quiz kid Donnie Smith and Phil Parma going at it again. How about that? Year later. <laughs> Dude, I fucking adore William H. Macy. He plays he plays fast characters so well. Just these like, you know, move in for one <laughs> scene, start barking orders at people, bop, 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 and then he's gone. He's he's like a whirlwind of talent. Uh, yeah, indeed. And uh, the actress uh, Rebecca Pigeon plays Anne. Anne, uh, thank she, you. She's yeah, she's wonderful. I Ricky love J, her. Ricky Ricky J also in State of Maine. Ma- little Magnolia reunion a year yeah, later. Love Ricky J. Uh, just quick sidetrack. My favorite thing Ricky J was ever a part of is Mystery Men. And the scene is when he's in the also room. Willie Mage Macy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> these guys. You could do a fucking Kevin Bacon game with these guys real quick. <laughs> uh, when he's in the car with Greg Kinnear, and you know they're they're pitching ideas, and he's like, you know, why don't you just get Death Man? And Ricky J just goes, Death Man is dead in complete <laughs> Death Man. I I never fail to fucking laugh at that. Rick, Ricky J was a excellent line reader, like but perfect. Yeah, uh, but yeah, State and Maine. Really fell off the radar. I never heard of it till we started till we did this project, and I'm I'm surprised. Me neither. It's so yeah. up my alley. And uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think we both came out like, oh, like that one in Nobody's Fool. We're like, these are going to be movies we take with us, you know? Like these are now put them in the bag. Here we go. It's getting a little heavy, but you know. <laughs> yeah, there were a couple we're, more, we're, but yeah, we're we're really we're really enjoying those. Uh, is Joseph Turner, uh, green, yellow, or red? It's a yellow. It's a yellow. Yeah. Like, I'm with you on that. I'm with you. It's like a, like a very, very dark yellow, like almost, almost a green yellow. <laughs> yeah. Which, let's see. What's the green and yellow makes blue? No. What does it make? I, they all they all make something, don't they? <laughs> yeah. I I don't. The, the color I think it's blue. Called green yellow. So that's that's all I got. 
no, no. I, I have a feeling you're you're going to say green for for this other 2000 movie, Lester Bangs, almost famous. It's yellow, actually. It's, I, I'm I'm with you. I'm with you. I, uh, this might be. I mean, God, I wish he was in it more. God, I, like that's my main issue with that movie, man. They don't know where the best stuff is at. Yeah, I, I, like I think honestly, and I love this guy. I think Jason Lee is like, like phoning it in, like totally. I think most. I think I, I don't think Kate Hudson's very good in it. I don't think like I just don't think like Billy Crudup's okay. I, I'm like, this is where the movie is. Is Lester Banks? Like Lester Banks is a, a way, way more interesting character than anybody on screen, and he's barely in it. I forgot how little he's in this movie. I rewatched it. Couple weeks ago, and I was like, "Fuck, man!" Like, this is why I've never really connected with this movie. Almost Famous is like you're walking in the woods with a video camera, and you see a per you see in like focus Bigfoot right over there. Mm. You film him for a couple seconds, and then you go and film this family of deer for two hours. <laughs> it's I, like we all wanted it, to see Bigfoot. Like, why are you ignoring Bigfoot? I, I'm with you. I <laughs> that analogy makes total sense in my head. Uh yeah, it's just kind of frustrating. It's not a I'm not saying it's a bad movie. I'm not saying that. I just think like the other characters were kind of like just like typical, little derivative, you know, and he's so unique. It's all like they're pretty predictable. You kind of like you know where it's going. You know how this is gonna end. Yeah. And I just, you know, I love the the highlight of the movie is is Lester's like speech about what it means to be cool. Like that's, that's why I love, I like this movie is because of- you're not, you're not cool, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, yeah. He's like, turns it on right there. And at the beginning when he first meets him, I'm like, Ooh, you know, this is a, this is a great character, but you know, you, you, you we're, we're talking about hall of fame here and you, you got to make those tough calls. And yeah, I, I'm with you. It's a yellow. It's a, someone I'm willing to come back to, but I'm not putting him in for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, I feel the same way about two movies from 2002. The other two I have greens. Can you guess what they are? I have a feeling your greens are Punch Drunk Love and 25th Hour. No. Oh, okay. Punch Drunk Drunk Love green. 25th Hour yellow. Red Dragon red. Yeah, okay. Love Liza green. Love Liza. Okay. okay. I think I think I think Love Liza is like one of his finest performances. That I I liked Love Liza. There were just so many different directions I think it could have gone. Oh, it's it a fucking weird movie, but he's he's great. He is, yeah. He's tapping into his, you know, history of addiction. It's I'm going to give you the green for Love Liza. Uh, we can go yellow. I'm very willing to come back. We're going to have to Come back around at some point. Yeah, I'm, we have we have a, we have a long we have a long way to go. We're about yeah. halfway, a little over halfway. So let's give it yellow. We'll come back around. Punch drunk green. Oh yeah, of course. Okay, now the other the other two. Where are you at? Red Dragon twenty fifth hour. Uh, Red Dragon just because I love the movie. I have it as a yellow, but I had a feeling that wasn't going to make it into the hall. It's yeah, I, I I like it, but I'm not yeah, I'm not like I I probably should rewatch it. It's been a long time, uh, so that might be a part of the issue. It's the character's such a scumbag. Freddie Lowndes is this piece of shit, you know, tabloid journalist who, but the scene where he gets you know kidnapped by Francis Dollarhide and tortured is 
pretty fucking great, pretty dark. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. His his performance in that is like the second he realizes where he is, he's like, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. You can see it in his eyes. He's so fucking terrified. And he did that so well. Uh, so with for that scene alone, like if I, if it was just me, it would go in there. But I I knew, okay. I knew it was yeah, I knew this was not going to be you know best of material, and I can I can I can uh, let's call let's call it yellow. We'll come back around if we need to. Freddie Lowndes. Fair enough. Uh, and yeah, twenty fifth hour. I, I I'm really surprised that wasn't like immediate for you. It's not. It's not. I I gotta I gotta say. I don't think I've watched that since <laughs> I did it. I did it in preparation for an episode, probably either to five bloods when we did that way back on Oscar Sunday I, or, or I do our, the right. I think it was our first, like for our first uh, PSH episode or that, or that, which would have been even longer ago. So it's yeah. uh, so red dragon and 25th hour very possibly could have been greens for me. It's just it's been a it's been a minute. Whereas like almost famous, I watched it. I'm glad I did because I solidified like mm, not quite. You know, I do. Um, 25th hour. I haven't gone back to. I, I I liked the idea. I thought it was with a lot of Spike Lee's movies. I love the concept, and I think the execution could have been so much better. Uh, yeah, I I hear you on that, man. One of the most audacious uh, directors to ever live. Yeah. And I'm almost afraid to say that sometimes, you know. I don't, don't be. I, I actually think he likes that. I think, I think he knows how fucking wild like his decisions are at times. Because when it works, it fucking works like really, really, really well. Like one of the best, one of the best like peaks uh, of a director I've ever, I've ever watched. Where when when it's slapping, it's like mm, like this is movie making at its finest. Yeah. And then if if the decision doesn't work for you as a viewer, it can it can be pretty low. It can ha- it, it can happen. Yeah, but Twenty Fifth Hour is a good movie. Mm-hmm. But I, I get Hoffman's whole bit really doesn't make any sense. Like it doesn't have to be there. Like it's it's almost its own little short film inside this movie. It, it's almost like oh, we have this thing, and or or we have this guy. We have Phil. Like we have to use him, and they probably didn't use him for the right thing or mis mismanage that mismanage the writing and. Uh, that's I. I'm pretty sure 25th Hour is not written by. No, like it, it's written by the Game of Thrones guys, I believe. That yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Um, but that's why the writing got up to par. <laughs> yeah, so you never know. Things could have been different, but no. So yeah, I've I've got, or we've got, Love Liza, uh, Yellow, Red Dragon, Yellow, 25th Hour, Yellow, Punch Drunk Love, Dean, Green, Green, Green. <laughs> shut, shut. Shut up! <laughs> uh. My God, I I watched that like three times today. That that uh, it's yeah. Have you, you, have you seen up? the commercial? Have you seen the the commercial they made? No, dude. I will send it to you immediately. It's a minute long. I'll send it to you immediately after we finish recording. <laughs> he does a commercial for the mattress like company. <laughs> it's on the special features, and then it's on YouTube. Like absolute gold. It's, it's, I, I was like, ah, this is one of the best minutes of it's. You can log it on Letterboxd, <laughs> it's, it's, and so I did, and I just said, just pure magic. You know, it, it is. It's it's brilliant. He's just he's so funny, and that character Dean is like one of the, one of his most memorable. Yeah, I. It's such a weird character, like a mattress salesman who moonlights as a like 
fake pimp who's extorting people who call the service. It's such a weird character. And our, you know, our villain, I guess. And uh, Barry's like, you know, journey to settle things with this guy is so damn rewarding when he finally yeah. gets there and just threatens him. And but, you know, Dean has to have that one last word. But then he's like, all right, that's that. That's that. Like, he backs off immediately. <laughs> he's like, OK, I, I love I love Sandler's line reading of I'd say that's that mattress, man. <laughs> uh, yeah. PSH is his hair in this, his costume, like his outfit. How, how like red his face gets in certain moments. It's all just working like beautifully uh, in this movie. And this is where I think PTA where most writer directors probably don't just don't understand that, that quote that you, you said at first, which was the uh, there's no small parts or, you know, there's only small actors, that whole thing. Uh, I think PTA like was like, he can be just as effective with this Dean character as anyone the entire year can be with a lead performance. You know, he's just, he's that good. He fits that well into this character. It, it's, 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 it's perfect. It's one of the first things I think about when I think about Phil. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's hysterical. It's weird. It's just, yeah, it really, you know, gives Adam Sandler something to work with. We'd never seen him do before, which was fantastic. Uh, yeah, that movie's gold. Yeah, it's. Ah, God, it's the best. It makes me want to, every time I talk about it, I want to watch it, you know. Uh, it's one of the, one of those things. It's probably the most unique PTA movie as well. So uh, lo- love it to death. Uh, so that's 2002. We skipped 2001 because there's nothing in that year. And we move on to 2003. <clears throat> <laughs> one Keter and one eh. <laughs> We have a Cold Mountain, which is just not for me. Uh, he's Everyone's quote unquote good in it. You know what I mean? movie just like totally doesn't work for me it falls flat boring as hell at times where on the other hand you have the small budget low-key owning mahoney where psh is putting in quite possibly his best lead performance yeah depending on depending on who you're talking to easy green easy green uh you like like one of the first like three or four i thought of like that's like mount rushmore psh i this is a movie that you 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 never like you only find it by people who've seen it. Like it's a word of mouth movie. My uncle mm. showed it to me and I showed it to you. And it's such an amazing depiction of gambling addiction. Like the one of the best depictions of that based on a true story of a Canadian bank manager who committed insane levels of fraud to feed his addiction. And yeah, I just, I love the almost inhumanity of his addiction. Like he doesn't think he doesn't, it's just money to play. doesn't matter if he wins, he just needs to play. It's, it's crazy. I've never seen gambling addiction portrayed like this. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, so charismatic and so uh, engaging and you're kind of like, stop, but please keep going. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it, it, you're you're with him on this ride that is just just relentless and so nasty and so like so fucking unhealthy. But because of how good he is, you're like, I could watch this for a few more hours. Him just this like spiraling. Uh, you you want? I, I I love movies like this where they're just like, I can't 
stop. You know, the uncut gems. One, one of my favorite gambling movies, uh, California Split. There's definitely a like, oof, I can't stop type thing. And then, uh, of course, Rounders is like this chasing that elusive feeling that you're never going to get. You're never going to get. No, it's like you want to, you almost want to see how deep he can dig the hole. Like that's what you, that's what you're watching here. Like you, you know, this ain't going to end well. You know, he's not going to have a moment of like, Oh, what have I done? Like the, the scene where he, you know, tells his friend, like, this is my emergency money. Do not let me tab this. And then like 10 minutes later, he's like berating his friend to give him the money. It's yeah. I, I love that scene. Cause he's like, whatever I do, whatever I say, it's this, it's almost like when someone is like, Hey, I'm uh, like, I've actually, I've actually had something like this happen where I had a buddy who was like go, going through like a tough breakup and we were like, Oh, let's go get our buddy drunk. You know, you know? And he like, was like, I'm going to get hammered. Don't let me text her. Don't let me call her. Don't let me do any of these things. And then like a couple hours later, and he's like, give me my phone. And I'm like, nah, dog, like you told me, you know, and it's like, I, I'm not allowing that, but they kind of become almost an animal, you know, almost like, but I have to, like, I, otherwise I won't get from here to there, point A to point B. And this is just to a greater extent, because you're dealing with money, tons and tons of money and he won't let go. It's, it's a like brilliant, brilliant performance inside of a movie that has no business being this good. And I, I love it. I love owning the I'm so glad you let me borrow it that one time, long time ago. I've watched it since, you know, a few times. And I just think it's a, a staple in his career. I just think it's one of his greatest achievements. It really made me realize that like, you know, cause certain addiction, you know, somebody's addicted to cocaine or alcohol that you, you can understand that you can understand the addictive side of that drug. You can understand the personality changes. You see it as a problem that, they want to actively stop and you might be able to help them work through. Yeah. Certain other things like gambling addiction, sex addiction, a lot of people just laugh at. Mm. This made me see gambling addiction as a very serious disease. Mm. Just from his performance and the way he played this character, like he's going through something like, you know, heroin addiction. It's an obsession. It's all he cares about. He's willing to destroy his entire life chasing this endless high. And yeah, in the end, you know, he fucking paid for it. Yeah. But it's yeah. Like you said, you know, this movie has no business being this good. It's so cheaply made and you can tell he took it because he wanted to play the, the role. It had nothing to do with the money. And yeah, 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 yeah. Cause this is a guy who just came off of working with PTA, you know, uh, Spike Lee. He, he's in cold mountain that year. He's about to do really, really amazing things being in bigger stuff. And, uh, he, he doesn't need to do this does not need to do this this little movie that made a million bucks at the box office was on a tiny budget just n- like no need at all but man are we lucky to have it yeah i'm i'm hoping it gets a blu-ray release at some point because i want it in my collection you still have that dvd though yeah <laughs> yeah why yeah, why wouldn't why wouldn't you man it's such like a like what a the definition of a diamond in the rough Ugh. People, please, I don't I don't think this is streaming anywhere, but if you ever trip across owning Mahoney, like like give it a whirl. You will not regret it. Yeah, I'm hoping this is like this works as our word of mouth to the next person. Uh, even if one one motherfucker out there says, I'm gonna go uh, okay. All right, shut up. I'm gonna go watch it. <laughs> uh, uh, we have we have done our job tonight. Um have you seen Cold Mountain? Yeah, I was not a fan. 
he's good in it, right? He's doing his normal, you know, he's good, of course, as a Reverend, uh, can't remember what his name is, Reverend. Uh, VZ. Yes, there we go. But yeah, it, I don't know. I, I just don't, it doesn't stand out, you know, it doesn't stand out. Uh, you look at, you look at a character like Dan Mahoney and you're like, I mean, <laughs> a lot more interesting. <laughs> there's not a lot of good civil war movies there really there's not uh which is a shock yeah Hmm. we might get one here uh that 2024 that that doesn't count that's no i'm talking like history (laughs) okay 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 you mean you mean actual (laughs) i'm not counting you know period piece alex garland civil war and i'm not counting captain america civil war either (laughs) (laughs) all right it's clarifying (laughs) that's great uh Okay, so that's it for 2003. We move to his uh, solo adventure in, in 2004. What a turn, especially from a movie like Cold Mountain. Sandy Lyle and along came Polly. I, I, I don't know, man. This might belong. <laughs> he is unbelievable in this and uh, is the only reason this movie's watchable. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have this as a green. Yes, <laughs> make it rain. That, oh my god! Uh, At missing every fucking shot. <laughs> rain dance, like oh my god! What I love, I, that that whole scene is like like belongs in a museum. The those two guys come up and he's like, "You know, play two and two. Did you douchebags bring your A game?" <laughs> and the guy's like, "What?" He's like, "Nothing, Sasquatch. Let's go." <laughs> white chocolate (laughs) oh my god Uh, and then the the sharded bit is amazing the pizza bit where he's like dripping grease onto his pizza in the elevator uh, I'm so friggin horny (laughs) there's like 12 people around him I mean this movie is not very good but he is lights out it's a it's a funny comedy that he is just elevating to the highest point. I I love that he could do that with comedy too. Like he just oh like, yeah, he's yeah the fucking man and he's hilarious. My my aunt is obsessed with with the sharded scene like that. She she quotes that all the time because it's it it blew her mind. It blew all of our minds. I'd never heard that word before. Yeah, I think he coined it. So I, I brought that up to a coworker who's who's a uh, a bit older than I am. We were talking about. He's like, oh, you know, he was. I told him I'm recording, and he's like, oh, what episode are you doing? I was telling him about, you know, we're doing P- Phillips and Hoffman, and he's like, oh, he's got, he's got no, he's got not really know what movies I've seen of his, you know. And I named a few. He's like, oh, okay, yeah, I know that one. And I was like, I, he loves comedy, so I was like, he's in that comedy with Ben Stiller, Long Came Polly, and he's like, oh yeah, he's like, that one's really good uh, with with Jennifer Aniston, you know. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, I think he coined the term sharded. He was like, no way. He's like, when did that come out? And I was like, 2004. And he's like, you know what? <laughs> he's. I feel like I didn't start. This is hilarious. You've met this guy. He said, I don't think I started saying sharded until I was about 30. And that's about when that movie came out. <laughs> <laughs> You're goddamn right. <laughs> that's beautiful. <laughs> That's, yeah, that's that's fantastic. Um, yeah, one hundred percent. I I love this character. He's you know he's a good friend, and uh, yeah, an idiot who yeah, yeah. I, I yeah, Sandy, Sandy I, Lyle. 
I love all his scenes, but the scene I laugh hardest in that movie is when Alec Baldwin walks into the bathroom to talk to Ben Stiller and he's like talking about the, a job and he's like vigorously shaking his dick. Yeah, underrated. So you're right. You're right. You're right. That is a great bit. He's just like talking business with just like, um, like, yeah, it's like he's fucking dry cleaning <laughs> down there. It's weird. <laughs> Alec Baldwin is massive cock. <laughs> what, what, what a weird movie. Like I was, I, I was actually, I didn't rewatch this. I've seen it maybe a couple years ago. For this for this project, it's not on anything right now. That's I I rewatched it uh, about mid last year when it was on Netflix, and I'm glad I did. I I have a, a whole new appreciation for it. It's, a, it's really funny. Oh yeah, I used to think just the basketball scene was funny. Then I was like, you know what? Every time PSH is on the screen, it's knockout. It's I mean, right in the beginning when he's like, um, because he's like his best man or whatever, Ben Stiller at the beginning or whatever, and he like trips. <laughs> it's the way he falls. And he's like taste testing stuff. Oh man, yeah, he's 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 lights out. I'm so glad we're on the same page here because I was I was worried. I was like, am I gonna have to be a weirdo who goes to bat for for Sandy? Nope, no, here we are. No, same page. Yeah, we're we're, we're both yeah, we're both weird. Um <laughs> all right, we're about we're about two thirds of the way through here. Um let's keep it rolling. We got three films from uh 2005. One of them is a TV movie that was like a two-part thing released on HBO called Empire Falls. Uh, we have uh, another another smaller film called Strangers with Candy. And then his what some would say is his magnum opus, uh, his Oscar-winning performance as Truman Capote in Capote. Uh, very, very different movies here. Um, I have not seen Strangers with Candy. Uh, I was able to watch Empire Falls on Max. I actually really liked it. It's really long because it's two parts. It's like a close to three hours. Uh, he's not in it a ton, but he's really good in it. I wouldn't put it in the hall, but Capote, I, f- I feel like this is a no brainer. It's um, one of those kind of transformational. How did he do the voice so good? He doesn't, you've mentioned this. He doesn't really lose any weight. Doesn't gain any weight. All he does is slick his hair this way. And you're like, Oh my God, he kind of looks like Truman Capote. <laughs> it's like, and then his the, the voice he's doing the entire film. It, I don't love Capote, but what he's doing is like, wow, this is I I get it. I get why this is one of those. And this is his this is his winner. I get it. To be fair, he he did lose lose some weight for this one. He did sli- uh slim slim he himself definitely, a bit. Yeah, he's not he's not the he's not um along came Polly, uh dad bod. You know, he's not doing that. Yeah. But then, you know. No, in 06, he's got it back. So it was, it was, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Which we'll get there in a second. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, but yeah, his, his performance in Capote is lights out. It's so transformative and so devoted to the kick to the, to the guy. If you ever saw Truman Capote talk, you, you, you know how spot on this was. And, uh, yeah, kind of scary. The scene at the end when he, you know, actively tried to stop the execution and was like telling him, like, I tried. It's so, heartbreaking and just so powerful and it's very little dialogue and it's mostly just you know facial acting yeah it's yeah you can see why that was the the academy made the right call to award it that to award him the statue for that movie yeah and and what's what's wild is after all this stuff that we've named from 1992 to 2005 this is his first nomination capote and he gets he gets the win right right out the right out the gate um Nearly 40 years old here when it came out. Curious. 
of the stuff we've named so far, do you think there's anything there that warranted a nomination? Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, I owning Mahoney right away. Uh, best lead actor. I'd probably say, I know this is just so unrealistic, but uh, I, I'd say uh, Punch Drunk Love, best supporting actor. Lebowski, I'd consider for supporting actor. Boogie Nights. Um, Flawless, I would think about. Magnolia, best supporting actor. Get Michael Caine out of there. Um, <laughs> yeah, and uh, others I would think about, but those are definitely ones that come to mind right away of what we've talked about. Interesting. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I, yeah. He's, he's my guy. So I'm just yeah. biased. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Capote's a, a good movie, but a stellar performance. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm with you on that. It, I, it's not, it's not like one of the best films of the 2000s, but it's one of the best performances of the 2000s as far as just, wow, this guy watched some film, listened to some recording and captured exactly what he was about. Uh, so that's like that's like the job, <laughs> you know. He did he did the he did the job well. And Catherine Keener, man, she's fucking great too. And those two together is like mm, like I, I it's such a random but such a unique pairing, and they they are great. So uh, have you seen Strangers with Candy? And we haven't <laughs> talked about this one. I have. I tried so so hard to find that. Me too. Me too. It's, it's I guess it's it's based on an on a series. Uh, so it's like the you know a a movie remake or like a movie sequel to a popular series. Um, and it's pretty much non-existent. I yeah. couldn't find it anywhere. I couldn't find a DVD like this. This thing's buried. Yeah. 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 And Empire Falls, uh, I know you didn't, you didn't get around to, I kind of told you, Hey, he's not really in it that much. Um, he's, he's very effective in the scenes he's in, but this is really an Ed Harris showcase Empire Falls. And I love Ed Harris. So I was, I was okay with it. You know, I was like, all right, cool. Uh, Paul Newman is also in it quite a bit. He plays Ed Harris's dad. What the fuck? Hell yeah. Uh, so I, I, I enjoyed it, but yeah, it's not a, uh, PSH, you know, hall of fame worthy performance. Um, all right. This one is though. 2006. Owen Davian mission impossible three way, way, way better than any villain in this entire franchise. Owen Davian by a landslide for me. I don't, this movie, Mission Impossible 3, I mean, I love these movies because, like, I'm just a fan, but this movie is not good. It doesn't, it looks like a TV movie. It doesn't look right. It doesn't look like a proper action movie that's, like, cost a ton of money. But when Owen Davian comes on the screen, you're like, okay, I'm in. I'm in. This guy is freaky. I, I do not like the first three Mission Impossibles. I think all three of those are just bad movies. Four through seven, I've enjoyed. But, when you I fucking love the first two, <laughs> two is horrible, but I love it. <laughs> admittedly, I've, I've seen them once. So maybe I should. Hey, no, you you're not forgetting. Two is like so over the top, like slow-mo. Like <laughs> Tom Cruise has long hair. You know, it, it's bad, but I love it. <laughs> you, you jump from Doug Ray Scott to Philip Seymour Hoffman in terms of quality. You're going to give people fucking whiplash. Uh, hey, yeah. Yeah, that role, Owen Davian, I'm sure in the script is a fucking generic ass arms dealer movie, of you know, like monster of the week. Bad guy, just, you know, whatever. I would bet money. Everything that's amazing about that character came from Hoffman. 
Hundred percent, hundred percent, and it's a it's a reunion between Magnolia co-stars Tom Cruise and PSH, and Tom Cruise of stages PSH in Magnolia, and PSH is like, it's my turn, motherfucker, dude. <laughs> it's, it, it's like he's playing the villain in a completely different movie that is way better than the shit show we're watching right now. Like he does not need to go that hard, but no, he doesn't know no. how to phone it in. He can't physically do it. Um. So this is green. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, and I was 11. We, we were both 11 when this movie came out. I saw this in theaters. I hadn't seen the first two. My dad is obsessed with Mission Impossible movies and has passed that down to me. And we saw this in theaters. And while the movie is playing and the scene still, like still to this day, it makes me laugh because I love it so much. It's like a defense mechanism. I'm going to find her. Well, I'm going to hurt her. I'd like tug my dad on the shirt and I was like, who's that? And that was it. That was the first time I ever saw him. First time I ever recognized like, this is it. (laughs) This is like, okay. Like I see why people love, love, love this. Like I see why, like that guy's scary. Dude. (laughs) Owen Davian was your introduction to Philip Seymour Hoffman. Holy shit. And I'm goddamn proud of it. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, my dad took me to see that. And he, you know, I, I still remember the car ride. It was just me and him. I remember everything about that night. We saw it in Northwoods because we lived uh, a little north of there. Like, Draft House hadn't existed yet. Um, it was a little closer to our house than Embassy was. And so we would go to Northwoods every now and again. And um, you know, this is, yes, yeah, I was 11 and over half my life ago. And I remember every little, little detail about that experience because of, because of, Owen Davian, not because it was like this lights out action movie, but because the villain brought brought the film to life. And when a villain is good enough in an action movie, there the stakes become real. He becomes scary. He becomes like, okay, that guy needs to die. And that's what to me, Mission Impossible Three. I still watch it, and I'm I love it because of him. Uh, well, first of all, just shooting it out there, Red Dragon was mine. Two thousand two. You yeah. saw it in theaters or you were seven? I watched, I watched that at home. Because my my mom, I love my mom to death. She was an amazing parent, still is. But she had a habit of forgetting how hardcore certain things were and then showing them to me as a kid. And Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> we were watching Red Dragon. I had never seen Silence of the Lambs or Hannibal, so I had no context. I would hope so. Yeah, I was seven. <laughs> Uh, I think we watched it when I was like nine or ten, though. So it had been a few years since it came out. But, you know, Freddy gets kidnapped. He gets glued to the chair. (laughs) Francis bites his goddamn tongue out. And at that point, I was like, I was frozen. And then he comes wheeling down the the road and like on fire. And I I left the room and had nightmares. (laughs) I didn't see the second half of Red Dragon for years. You're like, yeah, I'll wait. That was my intro. The BSH was like, "This is terrifying." I gotta, I gotta get out of here. Yeah. Oh man, uh, oh, I love that, movies. I do. Oh, in that scene that you're talking about with with Owen Davian, you know, I'm gonna find her. I'm gonna hurt her. I love the like undertone of disgust in his voice. Like, I can't believe you're making me do this. Like, yeah, I'm torture like, this woman because of you. Like, this was not on my agenda. So, like, you now put I gotta it, deal with you. It. You put it on my agenda. Like, ugh, you fault. just like go, 
he, he's kind of like, can you go save some whales or something? Like, like he's you fucking boy scout. Like, he's such a real threat, like a real legitimate monster compared to the rest of the villains in this franchise. You got like goofy John Voight. You got over the top Doug Ray Scott. You got, I don't even remember. I think it was Michael Nick in four. And then, yeah. Uh, what's his name? Five. Uh, John Harris in Rogue Nation. And then you had, you know, Cavill and Cavill. Cavill's good. Cavill's he, good. He was cool, you know. And then there was uh, oh yeah, <laughs> I think um, Isai Morales in in Dead Reckoning. So all those guys are shit compared to this dude who feels like he was ripped off the FBI's ten most wanted page and thrown <laughs> into this fucking movie. Like yeah. everyone else is in a cartoon, he's in a fucking like episode of The Wire. Like he's <laughs> he's playing this for real. Yeah, I, I I totally hear that. Yeah, everybody's by the numbers. It's hard to even remember any of their names, but Owen Davian is like, mm-hmm. like yeah. I honestly don't he, remember the characters of like the villain characters from the rest of the movie. I don't remember their names, but I, I know Owen Davian's like right here. Yeah, I know Ethan Hunt. And I know Owen Davian, <laughs> the best villain. Like, and that that's that. Uh, it makes me wish yeah. he played he played more villains. He was so fucking good at it. Oh my god! Yes, like. Yeah, we know he can turn it up and do kind of like the yelling thing, but he's so good at that, like menacing, like uh, like you're gonna regret ever ever messing with me. I remember when um when the Dark Knight came out and everyone was like, you know, what's Nolan doing with the next Batman movie? There was a like there was a a, a push to try to cast Philip Seymour Hoffman as the Penguin. And I didn't want to. I, I didn't know that. I don't even yeah. want to know about that. There was fan fervor. They wanted him to play the penguin, and there was like there were mock-ups and <clears throat> like fan like art of what he would look like. And I was like, that would have been fucking awesome. Ah, uh, he would have been perfect. Yeah. Oh, uh, man. Ah, oh, that sucks. I know. <laughs> the, 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 Robbed. Yeah, I do. Certain performers, when we lose them, it does feel like we haven't just lost them. We've lost decades of potential art. And that hurts. And so, yeah, and certainly with with uh, you mentioned, you know, Dark Knight, like Heath Ledger. Uh, I mean, we just lost, yeah, so much. He was he was up against Hoffman at in the 05 Oscars for Brokeback Mountain, and that was that was kind of surreal to see that. That would have actually been my vote, but I get why it went to to Phil. I, but yeah, my vote. Oh my God, he is. What he does in Brokeback is like, whew, any anybody else want to step up? <laughs> you know, that movie fucking uh, hurt my soul. But yes, let's go. Let's continue. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Love it to death. Um, oh, five. So fucking crash, man. God damn it. Like, <laughs> all this cool shit and then crash. I'll uh, never forget Jack Nicholson announcing it and then being like, huh. <laughs> Looking around like, didn't see that coming. Like on yeah. stage in front of the cameras. Like, <laughs> I, I, I was in movies that sucked that were better than this. <laughs> uh, okay. 2007. Owen Davian is in. 2007, three movies. God damn it. <laughs> this is a, it just gets, it, we're, we're getting to a special place here in his career. Um, we're going to start seeing some bangers. So we'll, we'll try to try to, you know, have a little pace to it, but no guarantees. When we talk about a movie like the, before the devil knows you're dead. Um, yeah. Green, uh, the savages and Charlie Wilson's war, which is uh, another Oscar nominated film from, from PSH. Uh, Gust is a great character. John Savage is a good character, but Andy Hansen is one of his best characters. So many great roles to pick from so little spaces. As Andy Hansen would say, it's not fair. 
Um, oh god, damn it! Why'd you have to, dude? I think this is his best work. I think before the devil knows you're dead is his best performance. I I personally do think that. I, I'm not ever gonna argue that. I think I rewatched that movie. I forgot how good it is. I remember both of us being like, "God damn," you know. But then I was like, "Oh, like this is." I I, I moved it up from four stars to four and a half on Letterbox, eight to nine. Like I, I think this movie fucking rules, and and he's great. You know, Ethan Hawke is great. Fucking Albert Finney is going toe to toe with PSH, dude. Like, there's a couple scenes where I'm like, dude, is this your movie? Like, holy shit, Albert Finney, <laughs> my guy. Apparently, like uh, Sidney Lumet called the the scene in the car. You know, the it's not fair. Sidney Lumet said that was the finest bit of acting he had ever witnessed. Uh, can you argue with that? But this I is mean, a guy who directed Sidney Lumet. He directed yeah. Henry Fonda. He directed. Like these amazing performers, and in his last movie, he's like Philip Seymour Hoffman's the greatest actor I've ever worked with. Like fucking hell! Like hear that from Sidney Lumet, my dude. God. How how on earth is this not up for for best actor? Like what in what world are we living in where you can watch this movie and it's not like yeah he's one of the five you know guys that should be in the spot and not and not I'm not just saying like. Because I know Five Spots is really tight. There's a lot of little movies out there. But this guy's already been nominated. How is he not? How is he not here? You nominate. He's in Charlie Wilson's War, and he's nominated. Yeah, he's way he's way better in this movie. Like I love Gust, and it's a supporting role. But like before the devil knows you're dead, the, the guy's doing heroin. Like reward this motherfucker for going down the darkest alley that you can go down as a former heroin addict, and a guy who's you know obviously struggles with that in, in, in later years are you kidding me and that scene uh, the stuff with Mar- marissa tomei excellent like she is like anytime you're with him one-on-one you're like i better up my game like or he's gonna make me look like a fucking chump like he's so good he makes everybody like like figure it out because like i'm not going nowhere you know i'm not i'm not lowering my my effort because you're not as you know renowned as i am so tomei is like okay and Ethan Hawke, I was like, sounds good. I'll do my best. It's not good enough, <laughs> but it's they're trying. And that's the whole, that's my favorite thing about PSH and the, the the support he gives other actors is that it's that stuff where like I can score, I can score, I can score, but I can also pass and assist and rebound and do these different things. Like I am, I am everything. I do, I do everything on the court, everything. That's, those are my favorite people and he's the best at it. For me, it's the willingness to go to a place like that as, mm. as a as a you know recovering heroin addict who's been in that situation to say, I will go back there to capture the reality of it. I wonder if that played a part in his relapse. Yeah, you definitely wonder, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, just six, five, six, seven years later, he starts yeah, uh, messing with stuff again. Yeah. But that scene in the car, I just it it's it comes like I react to it on a primal level because you know I've got my own issues with my father. And I've had that reaction. I've had it recently. I've had that moment of like mm. it's not fair. Like to, you have to think about your whole life in terms of who left it and who left you. And to have realized the you know, you can't just say sorry and let it all you know expect it all to just go away that's not possible to witness that 
you know, come out of one of my favorite actors in a very real way. I never, mm. it's never left my mind. It, I think about that scene at least once a week. It's so it's so important and personal to me. Ugh, dude, that's sad but very beautiful. I hope you realize the yeah the nuance of that that particular yeah that particular moment in that movie. I definitely when I watched it, I was like. This is this is one of the ones you know. This owning Mahoney. These are the movies that like Connor and I are taking to the grave. Like, this is this is like nobody really gets it. These are ours, you know. These are like going in our personal collection of. If we had our own Criterion, these are in it, you know. I don't um, know why they're not in the real in the regular fucking Criterion. That, Before I, the Devil did not get en- enough credit at all by anybody. It's it, you know, yeah, people are just too goddamn. Mm. You know, t- they're too like picky. They're too because because the movie it doesn't feel like a Lumet movie. Fucking sue him. The guy, this is it. It was over. You know, he's fucking old as if, shit. Like if he made it, it's a fucking Lumet movie. It, c- correct. And and it, I actually think its charm is how like cheap it looks at times. It kind of has this like raw like look to it. it. Has a couple editing moments that are like, huh, that was odd. That was an odd choice. I actually find that really charming. And I don't need a movie to be fucking Citizen Kane all the time. I need a movie to be its own thing. I need a movie to be Before the Devil Knows You're Dead. I need it to be that. And and that, it's damn near perfect at what it's doing. So I love this movie to death. You're talking about who I call my favorite actor of all time and the guy that I call my movie dad, uh, Ethan Hawke, as brothers. So yeah, <laughs> I love this movie to death. Um, the other 2007 movies, The Savages, I... I, I like what he's doing in it. I, I actually really like that movie. You and I also watched that for that PSH uh, uh, episode we did way back. I, I wouldn't quite put it in the Hall of Fame, but I think Gust has a has an argument here. Uh, Charlie Wilson's War. Yeah, he's about the only thing holding that movie together. Uh, I like the idea. You know, I love the story of this Texas congressman who decided to, you know, just I might start World War Three. I don't care as long as I get paid. Just this crazy ass guy, and then Gust being this, you know paranoid cia agent who's just like yeah i'll get you the guns whatever yeah <laughs> he's he's so wacky and his introduction is in this movie is an understandable frustration i love you know this guy who's been spending years learning how to speak finnish and then not getting the helsinki field office position i'd react exactly the same way it's a brilliant scene yeah <laughs> <laughs> my my I, grandpa i love, I love, thing. I love the, what's the lady's rea- the, the lady who's out there and he's like how do i do <laughs> uh, she's like very convincing yeah <laughs> great stuff my grandpa had a similar situation happen to him when he was stationed in the army he uh he was under the impression he was going to be uh sent to i believe it was okinawa so he learned he went he took a lot of japanese language classes became pretty good at it and then they sent him to like fucking kansas dude god that's <laughs> he uh... was, so now he kind of sometimes has a little japanese but Never needed it, so it kind of disappeared. Yeah, that is beyond frustrating. Uh, <laughs> it's just, uh, this just feels like people are just fucking with you, you know, just to see it's just to see if you can do it. Yeah, yeah I, I, there is a I, in the government. There is abs- that happens a fucking lot. Yes. <laughs> yeah. As far as Gus goes, I got I got yellow. Yeah, I'll give you the yellow. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like you said, he's kind of. The reason you would watch this movie, other than um, forgot how goddamn gorgeous Emily Blunt is in this movie. It's like, 
God damn. And here she is, a Oscar nominated first time Oscar nominee here at the coming up 96 Academy Awards for Oppenheimer. Good for her. Uh 2008. We have two films. Doubt, where he plays Father Flynn in a very, very intense movie alongside Meryl Streep and Amy Adams. And uh Synecdoche, New York. Uh he plays Caden Cotter, Kaufman movie. Um big time uh what do you call this? Acquired taste, I'll say. <laughs> uh, I, I like it. I'm not like huge, huge fan. I actually love Doubt, but I'm not like a huge, huge fan of Synecdoche. I do think I need to see it again. I've only seen it probably twice. Uh, it's one of those that kind of, you know, you kind of like got to grapple with. He's very good in it, but I'd give it a yellow. Uh, and Doubt, Father Flynn, I'd also give a yellow. Uh, Synecdoche is a hard red for me. Okay. Uh, I didn't care for that movie. I thought it was weird. I didn't know what the hell he was going for. I didn't know what the hell <clears> Kaufman <throat> was going for. And I'm just like... Why did these? Why did this? Why does this kind of movie keep drifting in my lane? <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the movie equivalent of the minivan in front of you that's going thirty in a seventy zone, and you can't pass it. <laughs> that's brilliant. You're crushing it with the analogies today. I tell you, I know, what. I'm on fucking fire. It's been a minute since we. I've been stockpiling for for when we would do our next one <laughs> for PSH specifically. Uh, that's great. <laughs> uh, I have doubt as a yellow as well. I think it's a great performance piece. Um, I think I think Meryl Streep is a is a little a little better, a little bit better in this one. Uh, you know who's the best in this movie? Hmm. Viola Davis. Yeah, in her like one scene, she fucking kills it. She like lights up Meryl Streep. She's like, oh hi hi Meryl, <laughs> check this out. I love I love when someone who's like like looks at someone and is like I don't really care. It's like it's like a rookie going up to Michael Jordan and being like, "Let's play." <laughs> you got him. Both you got him too. You got the analogy. But we're we're both right here. I, you know, let's let's try this. Let's try this thing. I love when people go toe to toe. It's one of the coolest things. It's like two titans just going at it. And Viola since then has become yeah one of one of the best. Oh yeah, uh, and Hoffman in this is just he's either an innocent victim or an absolute monster. Like there's no it's a complete coin flip and you really don't know which i i love i love that i think it's a sweet touch um that makes this movie like rewatchable because you're kind of like oh what's the nuance of the of the performances and what these characters doing can you read father flynn differently on a different watch can you can you make a judgment i ultimately have been like man i don't know i can see it both ways you know it's that kind of thing where you feel differently every time you watch it i love that yeah, yeah, and just the idea of you know a person of such devout faith having it shaken is always such a fascinating character study. And oh yes, Streep especially to play somebody so focused on believing that she's doing God's work to have that moment of like, am I just that little being like, are yes, sure you, you are, and it completely shakes her foundations. I yeah, it's it's fascinating to me. I have my doubts. Yeah. <laughs> Great stuff. I love that movie. Definitely uh, check it out if you if you haven't seen that one. Um, 2009. Interesting year here. Um, then a like, one of my favorite movies that he was ever in. A movie I haven't seen in a long, long time to where I wouldn't I wouldn't say I've even seen it. And then an animated movie that blew my mind. First one up. One of my favorites. Pirate Radio. Plays the Count. This is a green for me. I love, love, love this character. 
Uh, and then there's the invention of lying, which I haven't seen in forever. I, I count it as a something I haven't seen. You know, it's one of those where he plays Jim the bartender. And then Marion Max, where he plays Max Horowitz. Wow, did that movie totally like sweep me off my feet? And he's doing a voice when he comes in. You're like, what the fuck? It's like, oh, as if we didn't need another reason to think that you're amazing. You're like, oh yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and voice like one of the most unique performances of my career in this animated movie. That is really, really good, really rewarding. I, I know we both got to watch this one. God damn, dude, what? Where were we? Why haven't we seen this yet? Because I I'd never heard of it. I it, it got no attention. Ugh. And the, you know the under the radar stuff, like that's where you want to go. You know that's the sweetest fruit is the one that falls from the tree. That's right. And. I don't, did I just make that up? That sounds that's fucking profound. I'm gonna pocket that one. Um, the sweetest fruit is. <laughs> okay, I like that. Put that on a fucking T-shirt with PSH. <laughs> just kind of like, oh. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, smoking this, a pipe. <laughs> <laughs> this is such a, a great story of friendship and like a very strange kind of love. Mm. Uh, and just I like pin, pin, like pin pal love like. Yeah. What a cool, yeah, God, this movie and power love that like saves lives, like the only lifeline these people have. Yeah, and dude, it's so like there's a moment where she's like, you know, gonna gonna end it, and his, you know, his package is what saves the day. It's like it, that's fucking crazy. Yeah, uh, yeah. This this movie was a was a roller coaster, and the ending was so fucking bittersweet. Like. Mm. You could read it as like a beautiful ending. You could read it as an absolute tragedy. And I, I kind of have mixed feelings. Yeah, I, I do too. I do too. This is definitely a movie I'm going to rewatch at some point. But what he's doing, the like chocolate, you know, like the like, kind of like the SpongeBob voice, but like hardcore New Yorker, like the SpongeBob voice. You know, the, the, the chocolate. I know exactly what you were talking about. But yeah. he's also doing like a chocolate, you know, like a, I'm like, what, where did you conjure this up, dude? Like, yeah. you're insane. It, I, I, I have it yellow. I was close to making this green, what he's doing, because it's unlike anything he's done. When I was young, I invented an invisible friend called Mr. Ravioli. My psychiatrist <laughs> says I don't need him anymore. So he just sits in the corner and reads. <laughs> yes, that was pretty good. I, I, like, I like the New York voice. Um, yeah, it's a fun, it's a fun, especially PSH doing, you know, doing like a hardcore because he's, I, I think he was born there and of course like lived there a lot, but with, uh, what, with Tony Collette as well, who's also just ah, such an amazing oh. job. And she doesn't come in till later, like her yep. voice, you're like, where's Tony? Where's Tony? Because <laughs> like, I, I love, you know, we both love Tony Collette. I'm kind of like, man, it would have been cool to get a movie with them too, like live action, like, as like a couple or something. I I would have loved to see this live action. Oh, Jesus. That would have been dark me. as fuck. That would have, that would have, really that would have broke me. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's a very under the radar uh, an, uh, claymation film. I'm surprised it wasn't up for animated film. You know, this is like... The that's my part. main thing. This, yeah, this looks like right up there early for like... There's always one per year that's like, this is for adults, you know? Yeah. Um... Where did we watch? Was this on Prime? Two, two, I think it's on Tubi or something. I think I watched it on like a free. I don't just, know. Maybe I'm wrong. Let me just take a minute to say um, thank God for Tubi. Um, Tubi is 
amazing. <laughs> it's it's free and it has such an incredible selection of any like everything. It's it's like, really amazing. Like classics. Classics, modern stuff, TV shows, documentaries, original content, weird off the wall horror movies. It's literally got everything. It's so good. Oh. Um Yeah. What what is, is this it sounds like it's yellow for both of us. It's yellow. Max. It is yellow. Yes. And and pirate radio. What do you got? I have pirate radio as a yellow. Okay. I, I can live with that. I can come back around to it, but the count, the count fucking rules. I love pirate radio. It's such a cool movie. It's such a great story. I can't believe there was a time where fucking rock music was illegal in in England. It's fucking crazy. Uh pussies, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. But I, yeah, I just love this guy who's de- you know devoted to breaking the law in the in the coolest way possible. This is what Lester yeah. Bangs wanted to be. Oh yeah, that's oh that's put put very well. Yes, I you can feel it. You can feel like Lester Bangs and the Count are the same person. Yeah. <laughs> it's, the same, it's the same guy. I believe it. Uh, yeah. I just and, think- and the the invention of lying. Have you seen that? I I'm in the same boat as you. I saw it so long ago. I do not I don't remember. remember I don't remember like a second of it. The yeah. only scene I remember is uh, Jennifer Garner about to go on a date with Ricky Gervais and being like, "Sorry, I'm late. I was upstairs masturbating." <laughs> it's like sweet. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Sick. great idea. Like a world where nobody knows, like nobody ever thought to lie, so everyone tells the truth, no matter how painful or awkward or honest it is. It's a great yeah. idea. And and it is it is awkward. Um, okay, we're in an interesting spot here. We've got not a lot of movies left, but only four spot, only four green spots left. Okay, I think we're gonna be good. I think we're gonna be be able to come back around because uh, we're going to 2010. Jack goes boating. This is a big deal because this is a movie that he directed. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. He plays, of course, Jack, the main character. He was also in a play. Um, Jack Goes Boating, same name, and he loved it so much on the stage that he wanted to make it into a movie. I think that's really cool. If we were doing like most important pieces of his career, I'd put this in there, but when we're going straight up performance, I- I'm not quite there with it. I do not like the white guy dreads. I really don't. Neither do I. Yeah. Not a good touch. It's not gross. a good touch. Very 2010. Yeah, it's, it's disgusting. <laughs> uh, and the character is just so, he's almost too nuanced. Um, mm. I don't really know what he's going for at times. Like, is this guy supposed to be like a loner or is he mentally ill or what? Like, is he just awkward or is he like autistic? Like, I don't know. Y- yeah. Yeah. A little unclear. Yeah. And I-, I think it's a good movie. Uh, I would have loved to have seen what else he'd direct. Uh, but me too. I, yeah, start. me too. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's, it's cool that it happened and, I would love to have seen him to give it a couple more goes, but maybe he did, maybe he didn't like it because you know he lived another four years and never did it again. Um, I don't know. You never know. 2011, two movies. I don't have either of them in the Hall of Fame, but I do enjoy both characters and I do enjoy both movies. Moneyball and the Ides of March. You Moneyball's not a green. Art Howe? Nah. I mean, he's amazing. I I mean, yeah, that that whole movie's like perfect. Uh, the the attention to detail in that movie is perfect, but no, I don't have Art Howe. I he's I don't think he's a. 
I don't, I don't know how to say this. I'm not saying he's not trying hard, PSH. It's just not a very challenging role. Fair enough. It's a pretty, it's a pretty like, just like playing, playing this baseball guy, you know, and just, you know, he liked, PSH liked baseball and I, he just wanted to be a part of this movie and gets to work with his buddy, Bennett Miller, uh, who he worked with on Capote and they're friends and get to go toe to toe with Brad Pitt a couple times. And you do have a couple cool scenes with them, but I think for the most part, I just love that movie so much, but he's a piece of it. He's not, you know, yeah, the whole, he's not the whole, he's not the whole pie, but I, I do love Moneyball. Yeah. That's fair. If this was a Brad Pitt Hall of Fame, it would oh, be. yeah, I'd be like one of the first things. Probably Aldo Aldo Rain and then Billy Bean. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's a funny sentence. <laughs> this um, like fucking Nazi killing guy and then this baseball guy. <laughs> yeah, both leaders who saw potential in their people. Uh, <laughs> within, yeah, let's go within. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. Uh, yeah, the Ides of March. I really liked. I don't think a lot yeah. of people did. A lot of people saw it as pretentious, you know, po- political porn, if you will, which I get. Mm. But I thought it was not what I expected. And I loved a political thriller that like played out like a realistic story. Mm. Uh, you know, not. I know that we all know politics are corrupt as fuck, but I like movies that, you know, don't always give us the, you know, Michael Douglas at the podium being like, we're going to change the country for the better because I'm a good man. Like, shut the fuck up. No, we're not. Like, that's what, you know, <laughs> be realistic here. Uh, and yeah, Hoffman plays the uh, the campaign manager, um, uh, Paul Zara, who has been around the block and plays a pretty fucked up game with, uh, with Ryan Gosling and pays for it. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah, I, I have this as a yellow. Um, I think that's Hoffman's, fair. Hoffman's great in it, but for me, like the, the one like fucking killing it in this movie is Clooney. Dude, uh, yeah, I, I think it's a super underrated Clooney performance. Yeah, yeah, totally. I would, I would vote for him in a heartbeat. And you know, he's just he's got that, you know, fucking JFK in his prime kind of. Yep. Yep. Charm, and his character in this movie is like you know an atheist who actually wants to help people. But behind the scenes, you know, he's he's fucking the interns. I love that that scene where Gosling's like, you running for president in this country, you can tank the economy, you can declare war, but you can't fuck the interns. They'll get you for that. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant, brilliant line. Uh, yeah, you, you've always loved a good uh, like political thriller, you know. Um, I do. I do. I love me some politics. I hate espionage thrillers, but I love political thrillers. Mm, yes. Yeah, this is a good one. I think this is available on... Max, or one of those. It's on. It's on something right now. I know that. It's March. I have the Blu-ray, so I I didn't look. There you go. I know it's on because I almost rewatched. I I've seen this a couple times. I remember we saw this in theaters. My dad, myself, and my oldest brother Adam. Because we've always, my dad has always been into movies like that. Uh, those kind of like yeah sleazy, you know, <laughs> sleazy politics. Uh, well-made films. Um. 2012. <laughs> we're getting close to the end here, so I'll be honest, man. We're we're coming we're we're coming down to the end as far as what I have in. Um, a late quartet. Quartet. Uh, he plays Robert uh, Gelbert. Gelbart, I think. Um, and that movie, you know, 
I actually really, really, really liked a few moments. And I thought him and Keener, again, dynamite together. I like Christopher Walken was like, didn't need to be that good in it. But the movie has no style, no direction, no real goal. And just feels kind of like a, it just leaves on like a weird note, <laughs> note uh, at the end. And, and I, I don't think he's quite good enough for me to consider in the hall. PSH. I think Walken is the winner of this movie. Um, and I, I felt like, felt like this could have been great. Like this could have been a great, great movie. Good stuff about about these these four musicians who are kind of like on their last little last little run. Uh, but the other film for 2012 is is my favorite my favorite thing he ever did. Uh, and sometimes I'm like, that's the coolest coolest like most idiosyncratic, most unique all all those adjectives uh, performance of all time. Uh, Lancaster Dodd in The Master. His his last go with uh, Paul Thomas Anderson before he passed away, and it is like built 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 for a Hall of Fame. Like what he's doing in the Master, it's this is why I like to make stuff like this. Is when when you see someone do something that cool and that that amazing, and you're just so drawn in by every little movement that they have, every little you know, what's this? A dragon? You know, every little line reading, every little you know piece of their performance. This is why I like making Hall of Fames and why I like talking about these performances for, for two fucking hours. You know what I mean? It's it. This is the juice. Is uh is Lancaster Dodd. Every time we we reboot the show and kind of start from scratch, I've one of my first thoughts is this is the new work. <laughs> Every time, what do you want, Helen? <laughs> it's uh, I yeah it's it's uh it's often playing L. Ron Hubbard. And it's so good. Yep. It's, he's such a duplicitous fuck, you know, is bullshitting everybody. And it's it's cool to be on that side of the audience to know that, you know, you're on the outside of the con. You're witnessing the con. And you know that all these people are falling for this, this, you know, snowball artist. And I love my favorite moments are when he, you know, somebody cracks the veil and he reacts yep. crazy emotionally to anybody questioning his way of life because he lives in a bubble where nobody questions shit. Because, you know, Elrond did the same shit whenever somebody outside of Scientology would be like, what the fuck is this? He'd go ape shit on their ass. Yeah. You pig fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> it is a fantastic performance. And yeah, him going toe-to-toe with an angry, just rage-filled Joaquin Phoenix is so rewarding. Yeah, it's it's the ultimate who is better. You know, it's like mm, I I'm not quite sure which one is out doing the other, which is like the whole beauty. It's the beauty of the whole thing because it's not just about the performance. Performance is, it's about who, who these people are in the movie. It's like who's fucking with who, who's who's really winning, who's really getting theirs, and ultimately my answer is the same for both. Psh. <laughs> yep. Lancaster Dodd wins this match. Um, yeah, he's this is this is it. This is this is my like for for me. There's three that I'm like don't like you can't touch. It's owning Mahoney, Buffalo Devon knows you're dead, and the Master. Those are like put them on the gravestone. Like they're just put them on the plaque. This is the best shit ever. 
those are those are my three as well. It, it, I don't think it's really close. <laughs> I think those three are, are are like why we're doing this episode. Like that's why we can make a Hall of Fame. You build movies. You build other things around that. Other performances. Like let's tack them on. Uh, so yeah, the master is is just fucking excellent. Uh, that is for me the last movie I have. Uh, last performance I have as a full on green. Uh, we have, I'll run through these real quick. Uh, Hunger Games, Catching Fire. That's the second Hunger Games. Uh, Hunger Games, Mockingjay, Part 1. God's Pocket, A Most Wanted Man. And Hunger Games, Mockingjay, Part 2. I just... God's Pocket, A Most Wanted Man, I feel... I, I God's Pocket, I do not like. Um, just like so misguided, like so misused, mismanaged. A Most Wanted Man, I like some of it. I like that he's doing the like German accent. I think I think there's moments of it that are like brilliant, and I can't believe I saw the day where him and Defoe are like, "Hey, we're in the same room," <laughs> you know. That's that's neat, uh, but I I just don't think he's again like super standout. Uh, maybe you haven't maybe you have an argument for that. Uh, and then as Plutarch um, in in Hunger Games, I would consider him if I were considering any of them in Catching Fire because that's the one where he's like the games master, and I'm actually like, okay, this movie's good because of him. Uh, and that's like a great sign of a, of a great actor. So I'd consider that one, but not quite. Um, do you have any in that last run that are yellows or greens? I had, I had a most wanted man as a yellow. Um, okay. Yeah. I didn't really like the movie either, but this is like one of the only times I've ever heard him put on an accent and he was really selling it as this yeah. disgraced German spy who needs a, a victory. Uh, yeah, he's the only reason. Like him and Defoe are really just holding that thing together, and uh, yeah, just just by being like these veterans. Yeah, yeah. Well, apart from them, I I was I had trouble connecting to that one. It was just again espionage thrillers. I hate the whole you know, so and so betrayed so and so because so and so had a deal going with so and so, and it's just like I don't care. I I hate that stuff. Yeah, me too. Me too. I'm with you. Um, I can like it, but for the most part, I think it's very redundant. So you have when to be done, very like, special. When done, like recently, like I watched th- uh, Three Days in the Condor. That was that was okay. Good. That's on another level. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's like, hey, yeah, okay. That's like a classic. Yeah, love that. Love, love, love that movie. Um, all right. So we have our list of greens and yellows. Let's take a quick break, and then we'll decide which ones should move to green. Okay. All right. We're gonna go through our yellows and greens. Uh, we have, let's see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 greens. We need we need to add three yellows, make them green. So our greens are, chrono- chronologically, Scotty J, Boogie Nights, uh, Brant from Big Lebowski, uh, Phil Parma, Magnolia, Rusty and Flawless, Freddie, Talented Mr. Ripley, uh, Dean and Pr- Punch Drunk Love, uh, Dan Mahoney and Owning Mahoney, Sandy Lyle and Along Came Polly, Truman Capote and Capote, uh, Owen Davian, Mission Impossible 3, Andy Hansen, Before the Devil Knows You're Dead, and Lancaster Dodd, The Master. Okay. We'll go through the yellows. Let's see what we think here. We got Dustin from Twister. We got Alan from Happiness, which I think is something we should consider. Joseph, State and Maine. Lester Banks, Almost Famous. Wilson from Love Liza. 
Freddy, Red Dragon, Jacob, 25th Hour. Uh, skip a few here. Gust, Charlie Wilson's War. Father Flynn from Doubt. Max from Marion Max, which I definitely think we should consider as well. And The Count from Pirate Radio. And Gunther from A Most Wanted Man. Which of those yellows stands out to you the most? Um, yeah, Probably Happiness. Yeah, I mean, it's just unlike anything. <laughs> yeah, to, to play a character like that, you've got you've to take yourself to a pretty fucked up place mentally and uh, be okay with that. And yeah, he, he did. Not as, not as dark as, as Dylan Baker, but dark. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah good. Dylan Baker, what the fuck? I'm never, never going to watch like those... those Sam Raimi Spider-Man is the same, you know. It is, <laughs> it's like, apparently, like <laughs> nobody else wanted to play that role because they were like, "This is gonna fuck my career. Like, I'm never gonna recover from this." Dylan Baker was like, "I'm doing all right." Did it and immediately went to Spider-Man. Like, there was no moment. Of, yeah, fuck this guy. He just was like, "No, it's a character," and just went. I don't know if I'm like scared about. Like, am I should I be worried about that? You know, you know what else he's like really frightening in, but it's like kind of like funny, but also is trick or treat yeah yeah he's he's got a, he's got a weird talent there <laughs> he's got a dark side for sure yeah um okay so hmm the the, the marion max performance stands out again also same as happiness where it's like there's nothing else on this list like it that's true that's true um i'll yeah okay i'll i'll give you marion max that means we have one more. Hmm. Twister, State and Maine, Almost Famous, Love Liza, Red Dragon, 25th Hour, Charlie Wilson's War, Doubt, Pirate Radio, A Most Wanted Man. God, fuck. Fifteen's <laughs> like not enough. This is insane. <laughs> I Instinct says Love Liza. Man, my brother Jeremy's going to fucking kick my ass if Pirate Radio is not on the list. Oh, my Lord. You have no idea, dude. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, but I I think Love Liza, especially if we're talking about kind of like range and different things an actor can do, like what goes in the hall, what's the most, you know, like special. I feel like this is at such an interesting time in his career. He showed he could carry a movie. He's not really doing that for a while you know those late 90s movies you know flawless magnolia mr ripley and you go to state in maine almost famous punch drunk love he's not carrying any of those he's great he's excellent but love liza he's like he's it he's the movie yeah i think i'm i think i'm with you man it's such it's just such a you know untethered from uh normality performance you know the aftermath of a, of a loved one's suicide like Tackling that is such a unique snapshot of life. And he plays it so like emotionally relatable. You know, he, he has his moments of, of, of cracks where he, you know, is huffing gas and flying planes and shit. But most of the time he's just sitting there, just absorbing the fact that this is happening to him. And that, I I get that. I can see that happening. Yeah, man. It really is kind of like a hey, we don't have much of a screenplay here. Can can you like do your thing? 
<laughs> he's like, sure. Yeah. He, he's like, I, I got, it. I got you. I, I think it's, I think it's really impressive. I was blown away by that one. Uh, fuck it. We have our 15 and I feel like we're kind of cheating on him. <laughs> you know, you know, there's like, I mean, there's just, there's just so many, there's so many. That's why we're doing it. You know, you have to make a, you have to make a stopping point though. So for landing with that 15, if you're good with that 15, I'm good with that 15. Let's go ahead and name them off properly so we can end this episode. Going chronologically again. 1997, Scotty J from Boogie Nights. 1998, Brant from The Big Lebowski. Also 1998, uh, Alan from Happiness. 1999, we have three in a row here. Phil Parma, Magnolia, Rusty, Flawless, Freddie Miles, I think, and uh, Talented Mr. Ripley. All the way to 2002, we have a couple. We got Dean Trumbell and Punch Drunk Love and Wilson in Love Liza. Then we go to 2003, we have Dan Mahoney in Owning Mahoney. 2004, Sandy Lyle, Along Came Polly. 2005, Truman Capote in Capote. 2006, Owen Davian, Mission Impossible 3. 2007, Andy Hansen, Before the Devil Knows You're Dead. 2009, uh, Max, or Marion Max. And 2012, Lancaster Dodd, The Master. Wow, what a list. I love every every single one of those movies. Not even like, oh, those are fine. I love them all. (laughs) I love them. Good, good shit, man. This is, this is, ah, wow. <laughs> what a blast. I, I can't wait to do this with other actors, but I feel like it, it was right to do him this way first. Watch as many of his movies as we can. Go, go chronologically. Do this green, yellow, red system where we can kind of talk about it, figure it out, see what similarities we have, and come up with a list of 15 rock-solid performances from one of our favorites. Uh, rest in peace. Rest in peace, PSH. Ten years. Can't believe it's been that long, but uh, we will. I, I know Connor and I are in the forefront of you are not going anywhere. No, I'm going to treasure his performances for the rest of my life. I'm, I I value his contribution to film more than most. And there's never going to be another one like him, but I'm so glad we did have him for the time we had him. Hell yeah, man. Well said. Um, this is this is great. I'm really happy with the, the way this is going. And next week we're going to have very another very very unique special episode you don't quite know what it is (laughs) i've uh i've kept it under wraps here and i'm finally going to to tell you kind of kind of what's going on for next friday you know what's you know what has to do with animated movies you know that i've asked you to make sure you watch or rewatch whatever you need to do uh for for next friday february 9th um, all of the movies that have won best animated feature at the Oscars. I believe there's 20, 22 of them. Yeah. Somewhere in there. 21, 22. It started with Shrek in 2001. So yeah, somewhere in there. 22, 23. You've watched all of them. You're yeah. ready. You've done, you've done the prep. I've seen all of them. We're going to do a very, very intense uh, tournament dealing with all of these movies. The format I will release as we do the episode next week because the format of it's much different than any other tournament format we've done so far. But it has to do with kind of pitting these movies against each other, voting on them, uh, seeing if Connor can just, you know, fold and break down uh, live on the podcast. So I'm, I'm, 
I'm super excited. There's a lot of great movies that have won that award. Uh, a lot of Connor's personal favorites, you know, the movies that come to mind like Shrek, uh, The Incredibles, Toy Story 3. These are movies that are near and dear to your heart. And we're going to find find out which one you think is best. So I'm very excited for next week. And we'll continue doing this for the next few Fridays all the way up until that uh, Oscar weekend of March 10th. So uh, keep watching movies. We'll see you very, very soon.